In 2020, four friends decided to listen to every one of the greatest 500 albums as decided by Rolling Stone magazine. This resulted in a text chain that celebrated the music, excoriated the order, and led us to making this podcast. We are far from experts, and we promise to do almost no research. All opinions are our own, unless you disagree. Please sit back and enjoy. Beck did it better. This is album 54, and it's a four-disc, 71-song compilation called Star Time. Featuring the Godfather of Soul, Mr. James Brown. I hope you guys don't have much else to do tonight. Okay, I know Russ, you were going on a date later tonight, but I would cancel that if I were you. Uh, But guys, did you know there's there's actually a bonus track on this album, and a lot of people don't know this. I didn't see a reference anywhere that actually is James Brown talking about uh, snacks on a plane. What snacks on a plane? Yeah, I know for this podcast, I'm I'm sick of all these motherfucking snacks on these motherfucking planes. But the thing is, (laughs) the thing is, he did have some strong views about snacks on a plane. So let's listen to what uh, Mr. Dynamite had to say about snacks on a plane. I came across another food and it's not hot, but it should not be allowed on a plane. I want to know what you guys think of this. Cheddar flavor popcorn. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Getting on the plane now. Uh-oh. <laughs> the person that should be has a snack. I don't think he ever actually says, uh-oh. When I'm nice, on bro. the flight and I'm next to some food, I always wince when he pulls out some food. It can't be hot. Woo. And this yes. part is a must. When they are done, their hands can be covered in the cheese and dust. Cheese popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> Don't have it on the next to me. Cheddar flavored popcorn. Cheddar oh, flavored popcorn has popcorn. a distinct uh, smell. And you gotta have it. To Don't have it. You gotta have Cheddar flavored popcorn on the plane. I think it's bullshit. What do you think? When we're on the plane, we're sitting so close. If the food gets all over, it is super gross. And now I'm thinking, wondering if you might. Yep. Maybe you don't have to eat. It's only a two-hour flight. She's popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> don't have it on next to me. Don't have it on next to popcorn. me. Don't do delicious. this, people. Don't do cheddar popcorn. It's man. It's okay if it's not just popcorn. cheese. <laughs> <laughs> don't have it on next to me. What, what did he do? How did he... <laughs> Clean off his hands afterwards. Is that stuff? <laughs> Is he just licking his hands? Did <laughs> he like wipe it on his sock like a normal human being? When you want to hear about the greatest of all time, but you're just too lazy cool to do those bounce on effects into a microphone. If you want to hear from guys who chat and then they get off track, I've got the perfect podcast for you, Jack. Beck did it better. Say hey, everybody, this is Beck Did It Better. We are going through the Rolling Stones top 500 albums of all time, and we are all the way up to 54. This is a big boy, but I've got three guys here to help me out. They're kind of my own RWs. Uh, I've got my sole bother, number one. It's Russ. Russ, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Rob. Think about the good things I've done to you. Think about the bad things I've tried not to do. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I've also got uh, my Mr. Stay, Mr. Stay Quiet Tonight. I think that was supposed to be Mr. Dynamite. Matt in Minneapolis. Matt, how are you doing? <laughs> yeah, nailed it there. Good work, right? <laughs> glad, glad to be here. Thanks. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I've got the least hardworking man in show business. Aaron, how are you doing in California? I feel so good. I want to kiss myself. Let's talk about some James Brown. All right. Let's get into everybody's favorite segment. 
how how is everybody doing? It's rolling going. It's 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 time to see what everybody's up to. It's time for rolling going. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, man! You, I you, thought Matt's was the best, so we'd save it for last. Well, I didn't want to say it out loud. That Matt texted us; it was the best. Matt, what's your rolling <laughs> going? Well, there was a a very very big this this out. Uh, I think this episode's coming out August twenty something like that. So I did a little research and was looking back at some things. And there's a very big anniversary that's coming up. Nice th- that week. And so, um, thirty years ago today, when this album's coming out, or when this this episode's coming out, one of the greatest albums of all times was released thirty years ago this week. A little group uh, led by Stone Gosser, Jeff Amet. They lost oh. their lead singer in, in about 1989. Drug overdose. Horrible situation, guys. Horrible situation. They didn't know what to do. They broke up for a couple of months. Got back together. Got a guy named Mike McCready, who was friends with Jeff Amet in college, to come and play. But they had no singer. So they made four or five uh, demo uh, tracks, sent them out to a couple places, sent the Red Hot Chili Peppers, sent it to some of their other contacts. Uh, Jack Irons of the Red Hot Chili Peppers at the time knew of a little uh, little Rob, lead singer Rob down in San Diego. Rob is a spud offspring. <laughs> San Diego, <laughs> who's doing nothing. So he's lost. lost in life. He's just out there surfing, trying to figure it out. He got this tape. He listened to it, went out surfing, and immediately flew up to Seattle. And what was born was Sonic Youth? I like this. Oh, we got a song. Oh, yeah. Pearl Jam 10 was released 30 years ago this week. Ooh, wow. Can you believe Shout that Pearl Jam 10 is 30 years old? Is it a top 500 album? It is a top 500 album. It's 161 on the list. How do you feel about that? Um, I think it's pretty fair, uh, you know, for all the other albums that were going out. I mean, Nirvana's nine, if you will. Um, you know, some of this probably a little bit. They could probably squish that gap a little bit. But, you know, this album sold uh, has sold over 33 million records, so it's 33 times platinum. It was number two. It got up to number two on the U.S. Billboard's uh, top 200 list. It got number one in uh, New Zealand, number one in oh, yeah. Canada. I've always been a big New Zealand music guy, so they've yeah. got it yeah. right. Yeah. So, I don't know. Big big things in my life is that this album is 30 wow. years old. That's so fantastic. that's my role in going for this week. Rob, this- I did a little research. I looked ahead to see when the, when this thing was going to be released. Oh, this and, is... Uh, this is, I love it. I love I, so I was never song. a huge Pearl Jam guy, but the one song that I really love is, Matt, you're a baseball guy. Have you seen the the live performance of Pearl Jam at Wrigley Field a few years back when the Cubs won the World Series? I did not hear it. I was there, Russell. You were there for that concert? <laughs> seen, yes. I've I didn't seen, know that. What a flex. Wow. Yeah, they, ah, they've, played, yeah. they've played three times now, 13, 16, and 18. I did not go in 13, but my friend uh, Matt from... Uh, Woodbury and I have gone, went in uh, 16 and 18 and saw them. So they came out with a a, um, a movie. I'm trying to think. I got the album here. Uh, Let's play two. So Pearl yes. Jam, let's play two. And so yeah, so I I was there. I've got I've got a picture up here from Danny Clinch uh, where Eddie Vedder's jumping off the the amps and everything. And I can I was up in the upper deck there as as a member of Pearl Jam. 
uh, fan club, you get a early access to this stuff. And so I was able to get <laughs> I'm not a huge Pearl Jam fan. I'm a, I am a baseball fan, though. Any baseball fan out there, you have to go check out this concert movie that they put together. It is fantastic. It kind of goes like song for game. Like it kind of ma- ma- mashes the whole the World Series and the concert. It is so, so good. It's fantastic. Yeah. Everyone has to check that out. I didn't know the Pearl Jam origin story, and and the origin story sounds feels like that. There's that sort of parable about you know the the fisherman who, you know, went went what? fishing every mm-hmm. day, and then eventually hit it big and made a million dollars. And what did he do after he made a million dollars? He went fishing every day, and so it's sort of like, what was Eddie Vedder doing before he hit it big? He was searching on surfing in San Diego, trying to find himself, and he probably goes surfing now trying to find himself even after he's Eddie Vedder, but he's in a different, different place. But yeah, it sort of makes me feel that way. Well, that just goes to show you can't, you can't spell parable without terrible. Um, so, (laughs) you know, man, I've listened to that album and you know what I'd give it an 8.5. Uh, I should rename it. Matt, give me, give me one reason. I don't really listen to a lot of Pearl Jam. What's one reason you love Pearl Jam? Like what's the one reason some guy like me would pick up Pearl Jam and just love it. Can't find a better man. I, mean, um, I, I don't know. I think Eddie Vet. I think Eddie Vetter as a singer is probably like a top. Eh, I call him top ten kind of rock singer of all time. I think mm-hmm. Chris Cornell is clearly number one. So just for that, but it, it, they're. I wow. personally really think they are a great live band. If you go just watch some of their early live stuff, Rob on on uh, YouTube. Like I was watching 1992's Pink Pop today when I was putting together that quick list just to. See some of that stuff. They are a very good live band. And yeah. so, I don't know. That, that'd that be the one reason is potentially to go now, see them live. Now, here's the ultimate question I ask parents. Do your kids like Pearl Jam? Do your kids like what they like or like what you like or do they hate what you like? Um, they don't hate it, but I always joke, you know, I say, well, what are we going to put on? You know, let's put something on for dinner or something like that. And it's Pearl Jam, Pearl Jam, you know, let's put, you know, and they say, no, you know, so no, they, okay. So them, them screaming, no, makes me think maybe they do hate it, man. I think you might not understand what that means. No, no. I think they're just sick of me trying to force it on them, but they're holding out strong. So yeah, holding out strong. So for them, Pearl Jam and Broccoli is about in the same place. I would just say my son, we heard some Tony Bennett on the radio. I forgot to mention it was Tony Bennett Day in New York uh, three days ago. I think he turned 95. And 95? we heard some Tony. Yeah, I think he turned 95. Holy and shit. we heard some sounds about right. Yeah. Tony Bennett on the radio. And my son was like, I like this song. So I felt pretty, pretty stoked about that. That was very cool. He's a very cool, cool guy. Amy Winehouse and Tony Bennett's got some good stuff together. That's true. Do. So does Lady Gaga. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. They were doing a concert together in New York and we weren't able to go see it. We were kind of bummed. We got, we, somebody invited us and was going to give us tickets. We couldn't go. Russell, rolling, going. How's it going with you? Rolling, going. Things are going good. As you guys know, man, I don't even, fuck, I don't even know if I talked about this last time, but we'll go for it anyways. <laughs> um, when I was in St. Louis a few weeks ago and I went to a game and stuff and I went to a cool restaurant, but I also went to a cool barbecue place. And then the other night I was at another restaurant that was another barbecue place. So I got to know, I was curious, what is your guy's style when you go to a barbecue? Are you a brisket guy? Are you a chicken? What is your style when you go to like a, a really good barbecue place? I know everybody loves brisket. I don't get it. I don't think I've ever had brisket where I've, I've been like, oh, that was really good and really worth it. It always seems like it's kind of dry. What I love though is with a barbecue place, if you can get a vinegar like barbecue sauce, oh, I love like a North Carolina style vinegar barbecue sauce. I think getting pulled pork, it's always a safe bet. You're, what you really are tasting anyway is the sauce, right? Isn't that what a good barbecue place is really pulling off as a good sauce? Oh, I don't know. no, no. 
No, I don't know. Rob, you <laughs> live in New York. Your dry brisket. Is, go back to eating your bowls of ice cream. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. Your no. dry brisket means you're not going to a good barbecue place. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, you don't think my New York City barbecue place that I'm going to is any good? That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> There's this guy. He's super famous in New York. His name's Dave. He's got restaurants all over there. I wish they had a famous Dave's. They don't even have that. They got nothing out in New York. It's sad. I don't even try. What, yeah, what, you're looking for what the you're trying to figure out what the specialty of the house is, right? And if they're you know if they're doing everything well, then yeah, I think pulled pork. If it's like we've got everything, we've got turkey, we've got brisket, we've got chicken, we've got hot links, we got pulled pork. Then I think pulled pork is a good bet. But still, Rob, it should taste good even without sauce. Good barbecue should always taste good without the sauce because it's about the magic of the low and slow. Yeah, I go uh, low and usually. Slow. Usually, you can get like one. Two, three, you know, you can get as much as you want, right? You can just keep adding that stuff on. I usually go with ribs and brisket if I can, because usually the ribs are pretty darn good, better than anything we get up here. And I never get the cornbread. This is the filler. You don't need it, but I do get the baked beans. You got to get yes. the baked beans. Especially if they get so, some pork in the baked beans. If it's like, yep, get yep. some burn-ins in so, there. So, so you yeah. guys are slamming on me about saying, oh, it's about the sauce. And then you guys are like, I get the pork. The, the cornbread and the beans. I mean, come on. The cornbread and beans? Give me a Matt said he doesn't get the cornbread. Are you listening? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not really. Open your ears, man. So, 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 I, know you're, I know you're sitting in that car recording today, but come on. So, Aaron, well, the, the cabin has like 20 people in it, and there's kids sleeping in the tent, and they can't hear the podcast because of all Didn't the stuff you, you say on there. you tell them we've got a there. podcast to record? we got listeners to please. It's, get them out of it's there. It's true. I should. I should. I got to boot them. What, so, how do you do it, Aaron? Do you just go in and say, excuse me, what's your barbecue special? Well, I think so. If you can, if you can find a, I mean, it's been a long time since I've been to a barbecue place outside of, I mean, yeah, I guess I've been to one in California, but also been a long time. But yeah, if you've got time to talk up the person at the register, you know, what's, what's tasting good. What's the, what are you going to eat today? But maybe try to do a little bit of research ahead of time, what they, how they market themselves. But brisket really, you know, you got to go to a place that really wants to cook brisket and do it well. If you're going to get brisket, I think brisket is notoriously the hardest one to do right. I, I've always been an anti-pulled pork at a good barbecue place because I feel like I could be at someone's backyard for a Sunday afternoon yeah. thing where someone's someone just put put something in a crock pot and made it work. I feel like it's not pulled pork is not special enough if I'm at a nice barbecue spot. I got to agree because I would made agree four, with that. I've made four pork butts this summer and they've all tasted great. And I'm an idiot. So yes, yes. <laughs> I will say the best, the best barbecue places I've got usually Rosie back me up. If you've seen this though, they'll have a whiteboard or a chalkboard where they're writing the special of the day. Yes. You know, like this right. is the deal of the day or whatever. And yeah. you really can't go wrong with the deal of the day. That's what I think. So, yeah. I made this mistake yesterday. I went to get tacos at one of my favorite taco spots. Although it's a taco spot that I love, but I always get my order wrong. And I always know that I should just take that extra 10 seconds to step back from the yeah. menu board. Think about it. Really think of what I'm going to order and then make my order. And I ended up, I was delicious. I'm perfectly happy, but I didn't get exactly what I ordered. But yeah, mean? It's how, do you, like, how do you mess it up? How do you mess it you're up? You're messing it up or they're what? messing it up. Well, I did. I, I I did. So part of the problem at a taco truck is that you can't order too many different kinds of things. So I tried to get two asada tacos, uh, vampiro style, which is with you know like grilled. It was basically like grilled cheese on a tortilla with asada. And then I wanted some pastor, but not with the the vampiro style with no cheese. But I got everything with cheese because it's just hard to mix and match. 
So, I mean, it still was all delicious, but it just wasn't exactly what I ordered. So, so your point is that you're too big of an idiot to order things correctly at a taco truck that you love and you go to all the time. That's what you're saying the problem right. is. I'm saying at this taco truck, I never make my order exactly what I want, but that's how they keep me coming back. It's like, oh, I got to get back there for that perfect order. But I'm, but all of that was in response to Matt's point about like, yeah, check out what, what someone wrote by hand on a, on a specials board. Go with that. And sometimes you got to look twice because they might be hiding the specials board a little bit. Wait, what? Speaking of ordering the wrong thing, we've talked before about whether you're a walker or you're a talker. If you get the wrong thing, do you say anything or not? I got to ask you guys, this is kind of a dating related thing. This is weeks ago. I was out with a lady and we each ordered some drinks and they brought me the completely wrong. It was the wrong drink, not what I asked for. And they left. And so I kind of went through this whole thing in my head like, well, now if I if I admit to my date, this is the wrong drink and I don't go say anything, I'm a walker. And maybe that makes me like a beta. You know, yeah. do you say anything oh, if it's oh, going to no. expose you as like a. <laughs> Hey, he won't even speak up for himself, but I, I just, it, I don't want to admit I'm a walker. Do you think do you I, admit to the person you're with that they gave you the wrong one? Or do you just be quiet and drink what you don't want to drink? Don't you think you could spin that into like, you're a fun guy who like spontaneous and you'll like, you, you get a drink you don't want, but you're going to drink it anyways. Cause it's like a, a fun new experience. You know, it's kind of like speed dating, but so. for drinks. I think also so. you're too scared or to go talk to the waiter and get yelled at. a respectful person who can, you know, if you can like very, it's, it's a fine line to walk, but if you can very respectfully tell the server, you know, Hey, this isn't what I ordered. Could you potentially, you know, bring me another one? I don't mind paying for it. Maybe I made a mistake. You know, that, that can go a long way too. And then the bartender takes your date into the bathroom and starts making out with him. You're like, Oh, well, oh, no, that's totally backfired. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I would have been able to go back in after I smashed the glass on the ground and then ran away. <laughs> Well, that one's tough. Yeah, that's not a tough like, How wrong was it? Was it like you ordered vodka and they gave you bourbon? Like that would be super wrong. Or was it the wrong mixer? Like what happened? Way wrong. Way wrong. Like it was a specialty cocktail. And then it came out with a distinctly different. It was not even close to what I'd asked for. Yeah. I mean, then, yeah. And it was <laughs> interesting because I even asked for their suggestions. They gave me suggestions and I took one of them. And then they gave me a different one. I think, I don't think they remembered even what they told me. And then what I asked, for. I think you got to say something then. Cause then you could spin it as like, yeah. Oh, I was so excited to have what you suggested, but I'm totally with you. I'm terrified of like telling people that they did something wrong. I don't know. It's, it's such a Midwestern thing. Matt, what do you think? We should move it along. <laughs> yeah. We got 70. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, two things. One. Yes. Yes. It's a mid, absolutely a Midwestern thing, but like if it's completely wrong, right? right? Like, the server is going to be like, oh, yeah, my bad, right? I mean, it's not like that big of a deal. They, they clearly Did got it wrong. any of you guys ever work know. in food service? No. No. Yes. I, worked in, I worked in shoes. I worked at Famous Footwear for a <laughs> oh, year. Oh, you got Aaron's interest. <laughs> what did you do in shoes? <laughs> <laughs> what was that? How was, what was that like? Did you actually go to the back? Is there actually shoes in the back? Or are you just going back there to waste time like I think people are? And, and don't guess what? If you work in a shoe place, don't email me and text me and get all pissed at me. <laughs> and then when you see me in the cabin and I apologize, don't say it's not a real apology, please. <laughs> yeah, I worked at, that was my first real job. Other one, when I was a terrible soccer ref that would never start the watch, my first real job was working at Famous Footwear. So did, did you, like, how many people come in with no socks on, like just bare feet? I mean, I think I've just burned that out of my brain. I don't even really recall. I do remember having to like get out the measuring, the measuring stick or whatever that's called. The me measuring metal deal. The me <laughs> what else? Okay. It's time it? to get the measuring metal deal. It's like, wait, how long have you worked at the shoe store? 
I knew I was a terrible shoe salesman though, because they would always judge you on these things called sundries. And it was like, how many socks do you sell or yeah. how many shoelaces? You would always have to have these goals. And I was like, no, I'm not gonna try to, I'm not gonna try to do <laughs> right. that. And then mm-hmm. so every month like there would be like, well, your points were zero for sale of all these other things. And I was like, Yep, I've got other plans for my career. <laughs> I I worked at Starbucks and I and I, it was great because if you ever screwed up a drink or if something if they complained. We just had a whole pack of free drink tickets and you just say, oh, I'm sorry. And you'd give them that and they'd be happy as clams. But then I remember one month they did like a, a, a coffee machine sale and they were like, we're going to sell as many of these machines as we can. Let's see who can sell the most. And I sold the most by a mile. I crushed it. I was like selling the machines like crazy. You know what I got for it? Jack shit. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, that's cool that I pressured all these people who like I have a relationship with and kind of trust me to buy this machine. And I got jack shit out of it. So. Then they asked me to work in June and I was like, oh, no, I don't work at this up. I quit. <laughs> Goodbye. Uh, Aaron, rolling going. How's it going with you? Uh, it's going great. I want to let you guys know, um, and it's maybe a bit late into the podcast to put out this oh, hold ultimatum. On, hold. But Anytime I have a conversation that starts with, I need to let you know, it's yes. always really bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm putting you guys, I'm putting you guys on notice. I'm putting you on notice. Uh-oh. The second half of, and I know we don't like to talk about what day it actually is, what's, what's actually happening in the world when we're recording. But the second half of the gold medal basketball game is starting shortly. Right now, the USA is leading 44 to 39 and a half. Kevin Durant needs some help. For? The USA? What are you talking about? Why would I? Rosie. The USA Rosie, versus France. Rosie. Rosie. Yeah. You've got just the biggest problem in the world with this. What if somebody, i.e. one of the three of us, were like recording this? And so maybe they, you know, like they really wanted to watch this. Yeah. But instead, they got a schedule to do this podcast on Friday night. And so they didn't want to know what was going on in the game. Maybe just a quick heads well, up. I believe we with, call that person a dick. I'm only telling you the right? halftime score. I'm just letting you guys know <laughs> yeah, that man, you need apologize. to bring your A game for the rest of this podcast. Because if I lose interest, I'm switching over to the You're game. You're going to the game? Yep. Yeah. That's it. I'm turning I, over okay. to the game. I got to mm-hmm. be honest. Sometimes I do not cheer for the American team. Like if, if there's like these huge favorites, <laughs> like it would mean way more to the French team to win that game. Like, what does it matter to Kevin Durant if he wins this game? Oh, he gets another medal to go along with his hundreds of millions of dollars and all his other championships. Like, if France wins that, that would be like a thing they would remember there forever. No one's going to remember if JaVale McGee wins a gold medal here. So, viva la France. Oh, wow. All right. Well, we'll have to check back next week without spoilers to see who, who came out on top of that one. But Russell's is that, always is true that for the, the French, the, the cheer, Viva la France? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, or you can say like, Allez les bleu, probably. Yeah, you nailed uh, it. The other thing on a positive note that I'm les super stoked about <laughs> is that uh, I finally learned how to cook dandelion greens and make them tasty. So Jesus I've, I've had two Christ. in a row. What? You're I'm telling us that we got to talk about shit and this is your next thing that you bring up? You have the balls <laughs> to say that to us? Jesus. <laughs> Are you going with like hostas next? Or are you going to mix some yeah. hostas in I'm there? I'm taking with grass your... clippings and, and just grilling it up now. I don't care anymore. <laughs> Fuck my life. Who cares? So what are you doing with these dandelion greens? Because you know, you're not like alone. You're not like living out in the woods by yourself, like having to get sustenance. You can go to a store and buy lots of things that are green that actually taste good, like jelly beans. I'm... <laughs> yes. <laughs> they got all sorts of colors. Yeah. Jelly beans. You know what I, I did bought today, some dandelion I was... greens at the store, actually. But these I bought from the farmer's market. I went to a store and I bought candy just to melt into diapers for a game at a baby shower. Okay. That's the fucking society we live in. I am not out picking fucking dandelion greens. Okay. To eat in my fucking house. That's something I cut with a lawnmower. 
I am going to the store and buying food. And guess what I'm going to do with that food? I'm not even going to fucking eat it. I'm going to put it in a fucking diaper. Okay? I'm going to melt that shit down. And people are going to guess. And you know what? how much fun they're going to have? Not that much. Because it's a fucking baby shower. They're not even going to have that much fun. They're going to wish they were doing something else. But guess what? That's what I fucking do. I go to, I took my huge car with a giant engine, burned gas all the way up to the grocery store, bought that shit, threw the wrappers out the window. I don't give a shit anymore. How many did you eat on the way home? Well, I did stop. There was some, uh, there was a park that has some dandelions growing in, so we stopped to eat the leaves. Were you texting and driving? Yeah, you they're super this? bitter. You got to do something different yeah, with that. Yeah, you can't exactly. Just eat they're, they're super really bitter. fucking bitter. You don't eat that shit. Laura's Ingalls Wilder would be like, do not eat that shit. You can go to the grocery store and get hardtack or whatever the fuck she ate. We are not fucking I eating dandelion greens. Jesus hey, fucking Christ. I think it's 100% time for Rob to leave the cabin and head back to New York, don't you think? I do, too. Who said that? I think I scheduled this about a week and a half too long. What? Who said that? That's so weird. Motherfucker. That's the guy recording in his car. That's, that's yeah. the difference between all of us. Though. We have strong views on like barbecue, and then Aaron's like, I eat the green parts of a dandelion, which I do. I didn't even. <laughs> so tell me, Aaron. Okay. Yeah. And I'm not going to apologize for you because I'm right. But what, what did you do with these dandelion greens? And what possessed you to do this? And wait a minute. Well, they're plentiful. So here's the thing. Did you buy the dandelion <laughs> greens or did you go pick them? So three questions. Did you pick them? What did you do with them? And why are you doing this to yourself? All right. So if you will let me finish. Mm. Dandelion greens are plentiful here. They always have them at the farmer's market and the grocery store. And they're super good for you. They have many nutrients. Side of the hill. Many vitamins. They're a very healthy green. Mm-hmm. And I've tried to cook them in the past and they're too bitter. And I finally decided I'm going to bite the bullet. I'm going to. So I bought them at the farmer's market. Okay. So, so first of all, there is somebody that. out there farming dandelions. Something that I have been trying to get rid of in a yard for years. <laughs> I think that's. True. Yeah. Can you, when I lived in Rochester, my neighbors would look at my yard and be like, "You son of a bitch! You have so many dandelions." Yeah. I should have been like, oh, "Excuse me, I'm a dandelion farmer." They'd have been like, "You fucking moron!" Yeah. But okay, so okay, so you, you bought them at the farmer's market. Somebody, this person at the farmer's market is the biggest genius in the history of the world. They're like, "I'm going to take these weeds and I'm going to go sit them yeah. out there, and people like Eric are going to go up and be like, oh, this is amazing! I need to participate.'" You just in see this. them with their tractor bag. They're just right. dumping it out. Aaron's buying it for dollars. They're like, "Oh, okay, sure, why not?" Meanwhile, his son pulls one out of the grass near his house. He's like, put that thing down. Yeah, he wouldn't eat it. He, he actually put one in his mouth, but he wouldn't eat him. Yeah, he wouldn't eat him. I love eating uh, this mulch ice cream that you bought. Oh, this is so good. <laughs> but so you bought them. What do you do with them, Aaron? So I've in the past, I've just tried to braise them uh, with like a little bit of olive oil and salt and pepper and, and some water. And that doesn't work. So to really temper the bitterness you need to boil them first. And that I didn't want to do that because I don't know what that does to the nutritional content, but I decided finally that's what I'm going to do. So you sort of blanch them for two or three minutes in salted water, drain them. And then if you saute them in some olive oil, a good amount of salt, they would be better with some anchovy, but I didn't have it. Uh, that's what I went with. And they're, they're delicious. And so we ate them with some cheese turtellini and everything was all good. There we go. Now we're back to normal. There we go. That's, I mean, that was it. That was my dinner. Does your family hate you, Aaron? Like, do they really? Do they hate you? <laughs> whoa, whoa. I would be so Rob, pissed if Jenny was like, we're going to eat dandelion greens, but they're so bitter. I had to boil them for a long time. Yeah, Aaron, you know what else you could do? You know, animals dealt with dandelion greens. They have like six stomachs. Like that's the shit you're eating is that you need more stomachs. Yeah, you need more stomachs. Yeah, you should point. eat that and then barf it out and eat it again. And then you'd see how most animals eat dandelion greens. Gross. I love how fired up Rob is about this. This is great. 
So that he makes me curious. To, he had to go to a baby shower today. He sounds it, like he had to organize the baby it shower. It makes me curious how it's rolling going with Rob. That's what I would like yeah, to rolling know. Rolling going, Rob. Uh, How's it going? I did not organize the baby shower. I'm not going to take credit for that. But we did do a baby shower. I do have like two. You just ate the candy bars that were supposed to go in the diaper. I think what it is is I think all I've been drinking today is White Claws and all I've been eating is peanut or <laughs> peanut butter M&Ms and I can never tell which. And it kind of upsets me. I like both. <laughs> but when I don't know what I'm biting into, I'm not happy about it. So I was going to talk about some stuff I was doing on TikTok, but you guys get mad every time I bring up TikTok. So I'm just going to say yeah, baby showers. Fun. What's your experience with baby showers? You guys, do you guys ever go to baby showers? Have you ever had to go to any this of these? Was, this was actually episode zero, Brian. I know. Was I we know. talked about baby showers, but I want to hear about your, your, what happened at your baby shower. Well, we, we, we set up a couple games where they would, uh, we asked them embarrassing questions and one of them would raise their hand and we did the diaper, the candy and the diapers. But then we made a cake with the kid's picture on it. Have you seen these cakes you can do now with like the photorealistic pictures on it? Yeah. My dad yeah. went up and said, I want a piece with the baby's left eye in it. And I was like, God damn, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Slice that baby's face what, up on the cake. It's so good. What piece did you eat, Rob? <laughs> uh, I got the corner one because it has the most big frosting. I was like, give me that big frosting. I'm 41 years old. <laughs> that's, a, I, that's the best piece of cake, right? The big frosting or the rose on it. Yeah, you, you want the, yeah, the, the high... Yeah. Sides, yeah. The, the problem is, guess who was cutting the cake? This is a big mistake. We make it every year. Who? Jenny. Oh my well, god. Why, what does that mean? Why is that the problem? Tell you what, if you got a cake and you want to feed eighty people, having Jenny cut it for you is perfect. She's cutting that shit like <laughs> she's cutting that shit where if you sneeze, it's gonna go away. Like it's it's very very thin. <laughs> it's like it's like thinner than the plates that they serve it on. It's it's yeah, that is kind of bullshit. When the person cutting the cake is like, they know they're not going to want a lot, so then they give everyone a little bit because then if anyone wants more, they're like, who is this glutton who won't eat just the normal side, like yeah. the little piece of cake? They want a bigger piece. Yeah, of cake. I think you got to find like the biggest person at the party and have them cut the cake. That and be like, okay, cut a piece of cake for yourself, and then whatever they cut, they'd yeah. be like, okay, now you're cutting the cake. That's what all the pieces should be like. <laughs> or find a math major and just. Count how many people you got. No. No, because then you get too big of pieces. That's crazy. Plus, this this cake did have a picture of a baby in it. So we were like, well, we can't cut the picture of the baby up. That actually is like, we can't do that. So we're probably just going to throw it away, which I think is even worse, actually. Throwing yeah. away a picture. So no, of one ate, no one ate the, the picture of the baby? Uh, well, my dad had the eye because it was funny, but that's about it. <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, there's 20 people living in that cabin. That thing's not making it through the night, right? Right. That's that, that, that baby's going to be gone by tomorrow morning. Yeah. Somebody's going to wake up in the night with the, with the hungries. When I get done with this podcast, I might sneak over and have some of that baby face cake. Or you know what else I might do? Hmm, I might go out and pick up some dandelion greens and then boil them for like three years or whatever and try to eat those. But so Rob, did you participate in these games? So I went to, a, I have a friend who had a, a baby shower recently and I went to it um, and it was his first kid. And there was a lot, probably 30, 40 people there. And they had some of these games. And one of these games, they, they gave you this piece of, it wasn't a game. They gave you this piece of paper. Where you have to write down, like, I hope you're not afraid of X. I hope you enjoy it. Like you have to put like, I don't know if it's quirky things, nice things. I don't know what it is. And I sat there and someone gave me the paper. and was like, I don't really want to do that. And they're like, no, you have to do it. And so I took it. <laughs> I took it and I sat there for like 30 seconds and I wrote one answer. I'm like, nope, this isn't for me. And I just went and threw it away. I'm like, I'm not participating in this stuff. That's good. As somebody who just set up and run a baby shower, Russell, I can say thank you so much for taking all the stuff that somebody worked hard to do and just throwing it in the garbage. That's really nice. I I pitched it, (laughs) pitched it. No, I did not participate. I emceed the whole thing. It might surprise you, but I did host the whole thing. 
So kind of because oh, the baby was getting some attention, I was like, uh-uh, let's bring no, that attention. Did you say you were the main host? Were you the main host? I was host? the main host of the baby, baby shower, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so when people were paying attention to the baby, then I went over and held the baby and also hosted it. So people would really pay attention to me. Listen, <laughs> Does guys. a baby shower need an MC or were you just like, I need more attention? Oh, every baby, every baby shower needs an MC. They need somebody How to run it. How many baby showers have you been to? Well, this is like my third, but this is, you know. How many have you MC'd? Well, this is my first, but <laughs> it went really well. Like, listen, you, people got to know what they're going to do. People got to know, like, now it's time to play games. Now it's time to eat cake. Let's cut up the baby's face or whatever. You know. <laughs> And you know what everybody said there? They're like, when are we going to serve these dandelion greens? All right, let's get into the oh, I album. Know when the dandelion greens are coming. No. What, what album are we listening to? I hope it's a quick one. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll start with Star Time 1. Just to let you know on this thing, I've set it up into four different albums. All right. Time for nobody's We're legit doing the, the whole deal. We are doing all 70 oh, songs. And guess what? Yeah. We've got a list. I also have maybe a little bonus track for everybody. Four hours and 54 minutes. (laughs) We are talking about James Brown. This is a disc set that came out in 1991 called Star Time. And it was put together to kind of show, uh, once again, it's chronological, showing the evolution of James Brown. I enjoyed this, but I will say by the end, I was like, okay, I've had enough James Brown. Because I also watched the documentary, Mr. Dynamite, which I highly recommend. Maybe not when you have to listen to also four and a half hours of James Brown in two days because we decided to record these podcasts right next to each other. But James Brown Stupid started in host. the 50s in the on the Chitlin circuit, which is kind of like this series of shows that they would do down south in these places where black performers could perform. And at one point, uh, Little Richard was actually, uh, they had the, the managers knew each other. Or they had the same manager. And Little Richard had to go record, but had to do all these tour dates. So they said, hey, I know this guy who can sing. Bring him in. And of course, there was no TV or anything like that. So James Brown just came in and said he was Little Richard and finished Little Richard's tour. And they say that's where James Brown learned his patented scream is because he had to do it as Little Richard all the time. Uh, His first hit was Try Me. And then two years after that, it took two years to get uh, Please, Please. No singles are hitting. He's having trouble. So in 1962, he's playing at the Apollo in Harlem all the time. And he says, you know what? Fuck it. I love this live sound I'm doing. I'm going to pay for an album. And he comes out with uh, James Brown Live at the Apollo Volume 1, which is one of the greatest live albums ever. Uh, and it's, it's a huge album for him. He gets super famous. He goes on this movie called The Tammy Show, T-A-M-I. He's with the Rolling Stones. He's with the Beach Boys. And all of a sudden, you have those groups. And all of a sudden, you have James Brown on the movie screen doing his thing. From there, he goes on to Ed Sullivan in 1964. The innovator of funk. And what it is, I, I, want, I pulled this little clip from the BBC story of funk. This is them explaining James Brown. He was big on hitting the ones. Bootsy Collins, his bass player, talks about when he plays with James Brown, James would just say, hit the one, hit the one, which is that. Instead of the two, four, which you're emphasizing, they're emphasizing the first beat. So listen to this real quick. What James Brown did was to stress the first beat. This became the bedrock of funk. Listen to when he yells. The rhythm of the one. There was oh. that emphasis on boom, God, boom, God, boom, you know, his, his, his drum beats. Yeah. We're going to hear him go from a kind of a gospel and then rock singer to get to really the godfather of soul into the creator of funk. So are we ready to get started with the start time? Yeah, absolutely. And we're starting with his first hit. Uh, please, please, please. It's kind of, you can hear the gospel here. Please, please, oh. 
This is James Brown. Badass start. Yeah, this is is the R&B soul down south stuff. This is him with the famous flames. It got all the way up to number six on the R&B charts in 1956. So good. Yeah, when when his voice was young, we were listening to this in the house, and Adam was like, "Is that an Otis Redding song?" Like, it's it's all of that of that time. It's so fun to hear the evolution, which we're definitely going to hear over the next. Who knows how long? Over the next three hours. All right. Why do you, why do you do me? Wait, what? Why do you do me? Like why you do, do you do me? Why do you do me? It's my wife's tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> so this is with uh, Bobby Bird and the Famous Flames. Now, Bobby Bird's family actually adopted James Brown when he was arrested for stealing clothes and given eight years in uh, prison at the time when he was 15. If we're going to talk about James Brown, I don't I don't have the patience to wait for this. I read that in 1988, he was intoxicated on PCP and he burst into an insurance seminar next to his office in Georgia and then led a police car chase across the South Carolina border. That is badass. And it makes me want to do PCP. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> the weird thing is, is, you know what he thought he was taking at the time? Dandelion what? greens. He thought he was just eating yes. dandelion greens. Yes, turns, turns out it was tabs of PCP. Aaron, put some of those in some cookies, bake them up, and send them to Minneapolis. I am ready for a high-speed chase. So in a a theme we're going to see over and over, after that song, the Famous Flames were listed as backup singers, and they were so pissed that most of them quit the band. Although Bobby Bird, you still hear him throughout his whole career. For example, on Sex Machine, he's the one he's talking to. Here's Try Me. This was his This was his hit, number one on the R&B charts, 48 on the pop charts. This is his first Billboard Top 100. It, it seems like we don't have any of the live versions on this right. compilation, right? Because well, I know all these songs to, are live at the are Apollo. Are we listening to the live at the, the Apollo live in like four weeks or something? No, it's yeah. 62. It's coming up. Okay. But these they're pulling the original recordings whenever they can. Right, yeah. I know all these from live at the Apollo, but I hadn't heard the studio versions. They're so tame compared to what comes later. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, they're just like, I mean, it's always like everything is polished, but this just is so slick and and sweet you can definitely hear the history as like a, of a gospel singer here tell me what i did wrong Walk right up to my baby. now we're kind of getting into it a little swing yeah and the, that aggression from the horns is what eventually right part of funk too right baby. yep they move more to like a rhythm i mean even here you can hear he's going from that basic stuff to a little more harder beat going on all right, so now this is uh, a song originally by Tommy Dorsett and his orchestra. This is Bewildered. Bewildered. Oh, God, he can his sing. Voice can is, is, yeah. It's crazy because he can sing any any lyric there, and we, every time we were going to go, oh, it's going to catch yeah. you and hit you in the <laughs> right. guts, isn't it? Yeah, he makes sounds that nobody else can make. Because, you know, I do go through every album, and I kind of pick parts of a song where I think, okay, this would be an interesting spot to start the song and to make it kind of get the... There's so many songs on here where just the beginning of it, it just is like mind-blowing hearing him just wail to start with. It, it was easy to do. This is good, good loving. Got something for you, That's what I'm trying to holler at. Oh, this just feels like this has to be in every John Candy movie ever, right? I don't even know if it's in any of them, but when I hear this, I feel like John Candy's like waltzing around his kitchen, like yep. using the microwave. Yep. Is, is that what you think? Oh, yeah. yeah. And everybody's like, wait a minute. This guy who we thought was a big buffoon is actually kind of fun. Okay, that's yeah. every movie. And, yeah. And then there's like the occasional movie like Uncle Buck where he has the love interest, the Amy Madigan mm-hmm. or whatever name. I don't even know who it was, but 
Good for John Candy. And a Jeep. Except for the red. whole dying very young thing. That well, what sucked. Was there ever a movie where John Candy was like a bad guy or like played anything except for the big lovable loser? Did he have any other movie roles that I'm not thinking of? I don't I don't recall offhand. I, mean, I think I he was know. always kind of the same character. Yeah, well, if you, I, hey, listen, if it if you if it works, stick with it. Speaking of John Candy, do you guys ever I've had I've never been accused or asked if people haven't normally told me, hey, you look like a celebrity. But I have Uh-oh. had numerous people in my life Uh-oh. say, hey, you know who you look like? Uh-oh. And then they say John Candy. And when they do, it always makes me feel like, oh, that's not what I was hoping for. Yeah, no. That's- do you guys ever get accused of looking like a celebrity or anything or not? Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, um, people always thought that I looked like Jonah Hill until he lost all that weight. And now nobody says that anymore. And I'm like, shit, <laughs> motherfucker. That, and, and you I know mean, the, I got one, but it's embarrassing. Oh, it was okay. Well, don't say it. Nah, fuck you. Say that well, it's shit. Not gonna, it's, I mean, people, it's, it's so... At I my, just said people accuse me of looking like John Candy eight seconds after I said he's the lovable loser who in some movies finds a girlfriend. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, so this is going to sound like a brag um, and I don't look this. Oh, I don't oh, look Brad super Pitt. handsome anymore. Shit. I was handsome as a, as a young, as a young man um, at my senior high school football banquet, um, Heidi Soliday. So I keep in mind, I had hair at the time. This wasn't the girl that was a homeschooled who'd never seen anyone before, though, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, that was my girlfriend at the time. Yeah. yeah. But uh, Heidi Saladay, who was the uh, was the um, sports anchor on KCCI Des Moines, was the MC and for the senior problems. high school football banquet. And she said, I look like Brad Pitt. No, I, I, I won an award. Get the, the fuck out of here. She did. She fucking did. She totally did. Turn the podcast on. Yeah. It's over. Now they lost his hair. He looks like Brad Pitt's penis. I mean, give me a break. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> hey, well, right. I mean, that's what you get. Like, you. Start feeling good about yourself, and then your fucking hair falls out. Yeah, so. exactly. Uh, you know, Rosie, I can see it. I, I can see yeah. it. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> I can see it. Oh, Fuck off. Shit. I agree with Heidi. Whatever. Yeah. Get, back to this, get back to this stupid long album. Don't hear your voice, we're man. going with this. I'll go crazy. 1960. This Ooh. is got fourth on the R&B charts. David Letterman had this on his Who Said It segment. You guys listen to this song at all? They're like, hey, if you leave me, I'm going to go crazy. And it's like, well, work on yourself. Is it like a back and forth or what's going on? It's like a mixed message. That's true. It is a bit. I hadn't thought about that, Russell. I just thought about this as the the sort of genre of like desperate don't break up with me songs. But I hadn't thought about the mixed messages. His ass is doing a lot of like I could. That's the one thing I could relate with James Brown. His ass is doing a lot of begging of like, please, please don't yes. break up with me. I mean, right. have a song, he's like, ow, I'm going to drive home fast. Do, 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 do. Please don't make me listen to this podcast. It's just, just. Please don't make me wear this sweater vest. <laughs> oh, it's my, my whole dating career was just begging girls to be like, okay, just one more, just like one more week. You're going to see I'm a great guy. I've watched a lot of romantic comedies. I know how this turns out. It's going to be perfect. It'll work out for sure. And by the way, I know it's true. I can't tell if this is Chuck Berry. We're starting to get repetitive and I've heard this part or not. That's still a great song. I know. They're all great. This beginning part is a little, is a little the same. So now one of my favorite things, this was a, there was a dance craze going around called the mashed potatoes, which is something that a celebrity, a lot of people think I look like actually. And so James, <laughs> Brown, James Brown's record company is like, shit, mashed potatoes is a big dance. We got to put out an album that's about the mashed potatoes. So this is called Do the Mashed Potatoes, but it's put out by Desi Rosaire, which is his pseudonym. It's just a... It's just a... Oh! 
It's not but James who's Brown. Who's singing there? Is it? I think it's James Brown, but it's under a fake name. But it's just to capitalize on a dance craze, which I love. There, there is a lot of references to potatoes and mashed potatoes on these seventy-five tracks or whatever. <laughs> but, but he's talking about different types of preparations for potatoes. What's your guys' go-to? Are you like a French fries? Are you mashed? What's what's your style? I I love French fries. I do. I feel like I'm a French fry connoisseur. Mm-hmm. Like I love, I love them. Like a good waffle fry. I think you just can't beat it. You just can't. Yeah, like the ones at Maynard's and in, in Wazetta. Oh, yeah. forget about it. I learned a new something called smashed potatoes. So oh, not mashed. Yeah, and you essentially you boil them for a while. You bring them out. You put them on a big cookie sheet. Put some t- uh, tin foil down, and then you smash the. The boiled potatoes, Smash so the skins are on still. You know, then you put some butter on there, put some garlic salt, put a little olive oil, and then put that in the oven for about 14, 15 minutes. And it comes out, and it's a little bit crispy on the edges and stuff like that. So smashed potatoes. That's my newest potato uh, Ooh, that sounds way of preparation. You know what my mom used to do all the time that I loved was twice-baked potatoes, where you basically mash potatoes, scoop out the skins, and then put yeah. the mashed potatoes back in, and then bake it again. It's like, it's like, do you like baked potatoes, but you don't think there's enough butter? Try twice baked potatoes. Or sour cream or cream cheese. Yeah. yeah. Bacon. Yeah. You know what I think kind of potato sucks? <laughs> curly fries. I think curly fries are the most overrated fry or potato thing there is. It's worse than any sort of potato chip. It's worse than any type of preparation. Even at Arby's? Yeah, Oof, terrible. Like, oh, no. The flavor's bad. It's not good. <laughs> what about undercooked hash browns? I think undercooked hash browns oh, that's, are bad. That's, that's up there. That's up I mean, that's just tough. when they're yeah, still kind of watery, it's like, ugh, no thanks. Yeah, that's a tough one. So now this is Think. This is one of his first songs that they found where he was really hitting the ones. So you can kind of count one, two, three, four. Oh, after yeah, this. yeah, yeah. This was uh, this was his this was Brown and the Famous Flames' first recording to enter the pop top forty. Detective movie song. That's what I thought. Yeah. And when we hear this in the live version, it's about double time of this, and that's when you really start to hear the changing sound. This is back still when he was doing a lot of lyrics. He wasn't just saying one phrase over and over and then kind of going in between like just saying uh or getting down with your bad self. Baby, you're right. This is me at the baby shower today. Jeez. Is that like the the go-to famous blues riff, the da da na na na, or is that different? You know what I'm talking about? The yeah, I think it's a blues. I think this is a blues. Uh, Lost someone got all the way up to number two on the R&B charts in 1961. When you hear all of these songs where he's just killing the vocals, you understand why eventually he moved away from this kind of music and started, you know, longer instrumental riffs, which we're obviously going to hear, and just doing like squeals and screams it's like he had done he had done it all there was nothing else for him to do between his mouth and a microphone by what 1960 like he had sung all the songs and sung them better than anybody so it's time for him to like get into the funny coming up with new rhythms almost it's kind of cool yeah night train is a cover that he did i love this song because at the end of this he started just yelling this is a cover but he started yelling out cities on the east coast do you want to guess what these cities all had in common it's where his or something. It's where his tour was going. So he yeah. thought that DJs at the uh, radio stations would be more likely to play the song if the city was mentioned. So here, listen to this. He was a businessman. Miami, Florida. 
go. It's not even subtle. Yeah. Badass. <laughs> actually, I looked up my favorite book, Booze and Vinyl, actually has James Brown in the book. Yeah. And they suggest that you do a cocktail called a night train what? for night train. Have you guys ever had a night train before? Yeah, absolutely I've not. I've never had a night I, train. I, I would not want to even order that. It's well, I'll give, let me, can I give you an explanation and then you'll want to order okay, it? Check let's hear this it. out. It says, don't die. No, really. Don't say we didn't warn you. This is the drink that will have you waking up in another city with no pants on and your wallet gone, but one or two and you'll be dancing those pants off. Talk about oh, energy. Yeah. All aboard. <laughs> so it calls for two ounces of espresso, oh. an ounce and a half of vodka and an ounce of Frangelico. Okay. So unfortunately, right. I, was gonna say, I don't, you don't, have, you don't have any of those things or Frangelico. <laughs> so I, oh, no. I'm drinking straight vodka. <laughs> No, as you guys remember, many months ago, I bought this bottle of Bailey's Scrumptious Salted Caramel. This train is derailed. I decided to replace the espresso with Bailey's Salted Caramel, vodka, and then I didn't have Frangelico, so I just went and found a bottle of syrup and dropped a little maple syrup in there. And I'm doing the rust version of the night train tonight. So if I end up in a different city with no pants on, you're going to know what went wrong. Oh, that's the diabetic night train. There's a lot of sugar in there. Look out. That is one train. Drink with no pants on. It sounds like Chad from uh, Lakeville. That is one train that nobody is getting on. That is... uh, Well, here's the other funny thing. I think they're referencing a different album here, but they did warn you, before you drop the needle, pour drinks and get ready to spend the best half hour of your life channeling one of the greatest dancers of all time. They don't tell you you're going to have to channel the next like eight hours of your life because there's so many songs on this stupid album. (laughs) I've got money. Big time. We have to really drink this? No, you got to drink it. I wouldn't recommend it. Seems like a bad idea. No, it doesn't. I've got money. You can start to hear the drumming change here, and I wish I had looked up who the drummer was in all these, because you can start to hear there's... I, I can tell you the Wikipedia entry for all these songs is very, very strong. They have the musicians for almost all of them. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I mean, because I when we get to Clyde Stubblefield, that's the stuff I love. Exactly. You can hear there's more complex Well, you know, for happening. a lot of times, he had two or three drummers on stage at a time. Clyde Stubblefield wow. and Jabo. I'm telling you, watch that uh, Mr. Dynamite. It's so good. It's on Prime right now. I got to check it out. I was trying to get through all the songs. <laughs> did you guys make it through all the songs or not? I think I did. Yes. I think I got yeah. close, but then I was doing this on the fourth disc and I was like, Ooh, I don't think I remember heard any of these. So Matt, did you get through any songs? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> this is the first time around. Yes. All right. No. Yeah. That's- the, uh, there, there's a new, a, uh, there's a new documentary uh, about the 1999 Woodstock. Yes. Um, I got oh, that. right. I got that's great. It. it is unbelievable. Is that it, something it, I can watch just, with my parents, man, or is it going into a lot of sexual um, assault stuff? There, there's a lot of that, yeah. a lot of a lot of boobs, um, things like that. Yeah, it get it gets a little dicey for humanity. Like, uh, it's not a good it's not a good look for for uh, college aged white males in 1999. So, yeah, I don't know, but it's good. It, it was a good watch how it kind of went from this is going to be so great to just absolute shit show. Yeah. So late stage capitalism and whatnot. Russell, right. you yep. just had a sip of your night train, the Russell night train. Um, would you say, would you rather have that or dandelion greens? What do you think? <laughs> 
Sorry, Rob, I couldn't hear you. I had to take my headphones off while I was taking my pants off. Because <laughs> you have to shit so bad because you've mixed like... Russell, when liquors. you come to the Bay Area, I will make you some dandelion greens. And I think you, yeah, I might change your mind. I'll, I'll cook some for you. You come visit. Honest question, Rosie, because I'm not, I'm not a vegetarian and I don't like eating leafy greens. But where does it stop? Like where where, where does yeah. I mean like I know I've heard of people eating like uh, hostas before and stuff but like where does is like grass like straight up grass is that where it stops or like I mean if you can identify it in your stool is are you done eating that then like if you can just see whole cloth like there are dandelion greens full dandelion greens in your stool you cannot eat anymore right I mean so I will so I will say this dandelion greens are historically a part of American cooking have cooking in heaven for a long time, not that far removed from the barbecue tradition. So, uh, dandelion greens themselves, not, they're not actually even native that to weird. America. Are they, I don't know if they're native to America or not. That, oh. that would be a great question. That's the problem is that they're a weed because there's no, nothing, nobody yeah. that eats them, I guess. But, but for me, know. it stops at things that I can buy at the store or the farmer's market. Like I'm not going out and picking my own grass and trying to eat it. Like that would be, yeah. I, I don't forage for food. That's not, I'm not, I'm not quite there, but that's a good question, man. I, I can see Russ didn't say anything about coming out to uh, Oakland. Russ, <laughs> He's not taking me up in my Russ, offer Russ, come out to New York and I'll get you a big steak and we'll go get some ice cream somewhere. I don't know. I just feel like between my taste for Bailey's scrumptious salted caramel and Aaron's <laughs> taste for leafy dandelion weeds, I just don't know if we showed up and we went and had a meal if it would get very far. I swear to God, you're going to make me go to the bathroom just describing that drink. I mean, between that and the dandelion greens, I'm having trouble. It is scrumptious, though. I, I don't mind. And this is a live one, which I think is great for James Brown to hear him live. I don't mind. Yeah. This is the one from Live with the Apollo. Which is so odd that they didn't include other tracks from that one. This, uh, this, this collection of songs is fucked that they put on the list, right? Like, this is, this is much more egregious than Legend, for example. What, what do I, you mean I, by that? I thought so, except when I, when I went all the way through it, it took me multiple attempts over multiple days. When I went all the way through it, I felt like every music fan should do this. Everyone should actually listen to all of these songs in this fashion. So I don't know. I'm, I'm torn on it. Well, I guess maybe we'll get to the end of it. Almost every song is just an absolute crusher. It, yeah. Wow. If, if, this, if this thing belonged on the list, it would be number one, don't you think? Yeah. Russell, now I know how you feel where he kind of sets you up of like, oh, compilations are bad. And then when you try to agree with him, he fucks you. That's exactly what he just did there. I mean, no, obviously, no, obviously, it shouldn't be on the list, you, but hundred percent, it's weird that it's on the list. Fuck me, it shouldn't be on the list. But when you listen, like you could put this on and just let it go for hours, and it's fantastic. I can tell you this. I love it. This this four CD set, driving kids tubing in a boat, excellent soundtrack for driving kids tubing in a boat. I put this around my neck and went sailing for a couple hours. It's great. It's it's fun to listen to. Did you just put go to like Mr. Heroin every song and just put that on repeat <laughs> yeah, or was, not? I was teaching the kids the lesson. They're finally like, who's this Mr. James Brown? I was like, oh, guys. It's... <laughs> He's the godfather of yeah. soul. Prisoner of Love. This was on the Tammy Show movie and he played this on Ed Sullivan. Don't let me be a prisoner. Probably a good name for a Run B movie in the bed. 80s too, I would say, right? And prisoner of Love? Yeah. yeah, don't you think that's like a good kind of like a... It, it sounds like a movie you'd find over at a friend's house, like in the yeah. in the dad's collection, like way up high. It's like, yes. oh, Prisoner of Love. It's also a classic. Take guys, like a, a bug classic just traditional bug tattoo design, mouth. the Prisoner of Love. <laughs> Sorry, a bug. <laughs> Wait, is this real? Yes. Is this real? Yeah, a oh, gnat flew so in my weird. mouth. 
Ugh. All right. Well, let, let, let me give you a couple seconds here, Rob, and just say that the, uh, the, the dandelion that we know is not <laughs> no. native to North America. It came, European settlers brought it over. Yep. The dandelion oh. has countless health benefits and palatable applications. Europeans use the plant to treat fever, boils, eye problems, diarrhea, fluid retention, <laughs> liver congestion, heartburn, and skin ailments. So basically, they just used it for everything and just said, oh, here, tape a, tape a dandelion to it and we'll cure you. <laughs> Matt, I, would you mind uh, tracing the ancestry of Bailey's scrumptious salted caramel and see how far that goes back? <laughs> oh, that came over on the negative one out of 10 doctors. Yeah. <laughs> I like how a bug flying in my mouth you guys don't even bother with. You're talking about your own shit over we there. We got a cover for you, man. We're here we for you, We said we would just keep going. Oh, my God. We said we would keep going. I think that's this what it's is... like to eat a dandelion green is what I just had with a bug. <laughs> Devil's Den. So James Brown does play organ on a lot of these songs, and it's funny because I saw an interview with the JBs where they were like, yeah, he used to play organ, and he's not very good, but we had to let him do it because he was in charge and he'd fire us. <laughs> if he's... This sounds like the Pink Panther song on drugs to me. That's what I was thinking. It's like the Pink Panther. I don't even remember what the Pink Panther song is, but it sounds like that on drugs. <laughs> the song is on well, drugs and drugs are bad or right? you're on drugs, drugs are listening bad. to it don't do drugs actually what i was thinking though i didn't think this was one of the best on here devil's den but there's another person who's done songs about devils and it's beck has done Ooh. a song you guys remember devil's haircut devil's i remember haircut. that one you, if you drop this song in the middle of this james brown album you'd be like holy shit so I got to say, when it comes to songs about devils, who does it better? Beck did it better. Actually, that's cool. There was a switch from, from the one to the two and the four. Yeah. You, you, it's mostly on the one, and then it goes to the two and the listen, four. Yeah, listen break. to this here. It does go. See? Aaron and I are doing smart shit over here. I put that in there for a reason. I knew you guys would pick up. Yeah, on we're not just eating bugs and dandelion bogos. greens. Um, okay. <laughs> okay. Well, guys, we're almost a fourth of the way through this set. All right. Out of the. All right. It's not bad. That's actually yeah. not bad. Out of the blue. This is a little more piano heavy, right? Right. This seems more. I mean, it's interesting to hear this after Night Train. And some of these others, like this seems more hearkening back to the styles he was doing earlier. Out of sight in 1964, this is the first where he has Maceo Parker as his saxophone player. And a lot of people. Maceo! Oh, Jesus Christ. Scared the shit oh, out of me. Matt, I'm sitting Matt, in the car. Calm down, Matt. Matt. <laughs> I'm sitting right, in the sorry, car in the dark. You, Jesus Christ. Right, I thought that was like a bear. I got excited. Here. I'm reading about, the, <laughs> about the root of the dandelion and Jesus how it can improve I've been waiting all night to do that. He does that all the God time. God damn. Bailey scrumptious caramel is what you're supposed to be looking for. Where does the scrumptious, is that go back to what country? Scrumptious. Apparently if you got gallstones or you're jaundice, you should be eating the root of a dandelion. Oh. Yeah, the root, you idiot. You eat the leaves like a <laughs> sucker. I'm not jaundiced. My bilirubins are great, I think. I mean, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't tested. Um, I, I'm going to say this again, and I say this a number of times. A lot of people say this is the first true funk song. I think you're going to hear that about six more times. <laughs> Aaron, what do you think? You're you're into funk music. Is this the first true funk song? I don't know enough about the the history or the academic side, but yeah, it, this sounds like 
fuck, right? It's precise. You had horns kind of doing these repetitive rhythmic licks. I, yeah. I think this song had a reference to the lyrics, you got a shapely figure. I thought that was a kind of a cool turn of phrase, but I hope no one ever uses it if they refer to me as John Candy and say, well, you've got yeah. a shapely figure, kind of like Mr. Candy had. You know, an egg-shaped is still shaped, Russell. Like, it's still a shape. <laughs> <laughs> is that worse to be egg-shaped or sphere? Which one would have been meaner for me to say? I think egg-shape is way meaner for me to say, right? I don't know. Sphere doesn't sound very good either. So is this him on the organ or is he somebody else? I can't tell you for sure. I know it, later. No, but. it's James Brown on the organ. I actually looked it up because I was going to try to find if Beck did the organ better, but that is James Brown playing the organ, I believe. Hmm. This album is pretty good. This this was on like Atlantic or something, right? It was like an offshoot sort of uh, instrumental jazz album. The whole album is actually pretty good. Aaron, do you like grits? Do you like eating grits? Yeah, I love grits. They would go great with greens. It's just yes, G's. I do like Chris TRs. I don't make them though. Grits, greens, and scrumptious caramel. <clears throat> Grumptious caramel. I mean, I would eat it like some. I would eat some gizzards with some grits. Oh my god! Grits, Maybe, the gizzards, Maybe the last time. Maybe the last time. Now he's just openly ignoring me. I love the songs where James Brown just wails right off the bat. He comes in and just hammers right opening. Door. Yeah, this is his last studio recording with the Famous Flames. And it was funny because I saw so many of these songs were written by a guy named Ted Wright. Well, it turns out Ted Wright is just James Brown under a different name. So he would get paid for writing the songs differently. He did it a bunch yeah. of times to to avoid, you know, things like paying taxes, which he had eventually got <laughs> yeah. arrested for. <laughs> okay. Aaron's giving me a big thumbs up, not paying your taxes. Aaron, come on. Yep. Yep. Uh, it's a man's Ted Wright, Aaron, huh? so, Ted Wright, so this Aaron. is a man's world not to be confused with it's a man's man's world which is the later version this is an early version of it. and this is not the first not the last time we're going to hear multiple right versions of the same track right yeah for example instead of I feel good have you ever heard I, this is kind of like when you wanted like a transformer and your parents instead would buy you like an Autobot I got you <laughs> And you're like, yeah, it's so close to what I wanted, but it's not quite there. It's like when your grandma buys you a gift and you're like, oh, yeah, it's just not. It's the Hydrox to Oreos. This, is, this also is like another oh, 80s movie so song bad. where like someone's getting ready in the bathroom and like combing their hair over and getting ready to go out or something. That's the old, that's another great 80s movie song, isn't it? Well, that's yeah. I Feel Good is a great 80s movie song. I Got You is like a, maybe you're a podcast who doesn't want to pay for publishing rights to songs you have to pick. I Got You, I got you instead. Wait, it's a difference. I just yes. thought it was the same no. thing. It's a different song. No, that song is, I'll, I'll play it for you here in a second. This is Papa's Got a Brand New Bag. This is an early version as well. He yells out, this is a hit. This is a hit. It is. Oh. Look at those horns. Those horns. Yep. What you think of with James Brown. Now we go to the second CD, and now he's got Papa's Got a Brand New Bag. For the release of the single, they took that song. They took that song. This is the song that got him his first Grammy for an best R&B song. They took that song that we were just listening to. They upped the tempo. They upped the pitch. Right? So now listen to Papa's Got a Brand New Bag, and listen to the ones here. Just count one, two, three, four. Oh. 
I don't know. Matt, what do you think? If you're on the greatest album list of all time and you're just running the same song back to back, I'm calling bullshit. It's a different version, though. We're seeing the evolution of it. No, come on. It's the same song. Well, sure, it's the same song. I mean... If you're going to have an album with 71 songs on it, you're going to have a little <laughs> bit of crossover, aren't you? Well, they can at least mix them up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> going to be exhausting. So now, yeah. so now, Russell, here is I've Got You, parentheses, I Feel Good. Yeah, highest, another repeat. This is his highest ranked song of all time at number three, although that's not true. He got number one later. I feel good. At the time, it's different highest. with this and the other one. It's the same thing. No, it's not. Okay, I'll, so listen to this, Russell. Listen. This is like James Brown, strong horns. So good. Great so chorus good. where he only plays two notes in the chorus right now. That was I Feel Good. This is I've right. Got You. Oh, I feel good. I knew that I wouldn't yeah, the rhythm's so. different. No, it's different. Good. Totally different. No, the, the, yeah, the rhythm track is different. Yeah, it's, it's, not even, it's not even close. I mean, it is close. And, okay, I think is, I think I, mean, I, I think we've got close. a uh, I think we've got a uh, Queen and um, Ice Ice Baby situation. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they're different. They're clearly different. Ain't that a groove? When your baby and you are tight, and everything you say or do is mellow. Yeah, this is back to the blues, right? Yeah. One of my favorite things about this album is every time there would be a song that was kind of slower or a little bit, all of a sudden a bunch of horns would jump in and blow you away, or he'd start howling like Prince, like. It there was always something that would turn these these songs up when they got a little bit slow. I love this. I was lifting weights to these songs, and like in between, you're just you can't help but dance around a little bit. Like you, it's just it's great. This is it's a man's 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 world, Russell. All the way to number one on the R and B charts, eight on the pop charts. Didn't we just listen to this one? Like no, six ago? no. We this, yeah, to- this is this has much listen much this. more. This, this has the strings on it. Definitely pumped up the production on this one. But it wouldn't be nothing. Nothing. Yeah, I mean, this was for sure going for a radio crossover success. Uh, it, that's I, I love that song. I'll, I'll sing that song all the time. It's so great. Uh, Money Won't Change You. This is the one where I just texted you guys and I go, this song is pretty trombone heavy. Listen to the trombone in this one. That is trombone. That yeah, right there. Should have got Grant, whatever his name is, on for this area. Grant Dickens special special <laughs> episode. Grant, I hope you're listening. He he would have made a better sound on that than I. I never never got back to his level. Uh, what's he up to now? I wonder. Uh, don't be a dropout. This is a song you wrote about not being a dropout, and he actually got to meet Hubert Humphrey when he was running for president and endorsed him. And there's a great clip where he's talking with Hubert Humphrey. You've never seen a guy look more square than Hubert Humphrey talking after James Brown does. Like, it just, you could not. James Brown's like, you know, he's like, I want to give it up for my man, Hubert. And it's like, okay, well, this is not going to go well. Uh, Bring it up, Hipsters Avenue. This got all the way up to 29 on the pop charts. I thought this kind of sounded a little Cuban, a little Latin American. I can do that. I don't know if it's just the percussion or what. And this was the official point where I wrote really, my notes. It really borders on the on Motown sound, too, which I think, you know, probably James was trying to stay away from. Still much more rhythmic, but... What'd you write down, Russell? 
Uh, this is where I just wrote down. This is where I stopped paying attention and all the song. I know this song sounded different, but once you've hit like the 30 second song mark, it's, it's over. Well, we're not halfway <laughs> done yet. So here we go. Let yourself go. <laughs> is that a trombone or a tuba? I don't think he had a tuba. I don't think anybody in the JBs are playing a tuba, right? I think it's probably a baritone sax. Yeah. Oh. I always felt bad for the guys or the people who had to pay the, play the baritone sax. There was always like eight alto sax players in our school and then one or two baritone sax, and no one wanted to be those players. It's heavy, man. You got to carry that thing all around. Yeah. yeah, but then Lisa Simpson was playing it, right? Didn't it make it like way more popular to... She played the baritone sax? I thought so. I don't know. <laughs> uh, all right. Now we've got Cold Sweat. This was written by his band leader, Pee Wee Ellis. This got all the way up to number one on the R&B charts, number seven on the pop charts. Only one chord change in this whole song. I think this was the song where he calls for the drum solo, too. He's like, give me the drums, right? And then there's the drum solo. Yeah, oh, there's a ton of these songs. Yeah. A lot of people think this might be the first funk song ever. <laughs> this is the I thought you just said that eight songs Yeah, but listen to this. What yeah, the this hell? one's funny. Hey, listen right here. And yeah, as he gets into funk, you don't know how much of what he's saying is lyrics to the song, how much of it is him ad-libbing, and how much of it is him communicating with the band. I mean, maybe only, in the studio it was different. There's only two chords. Listen, listen to the chorus here. Because it changes. Here it comes. Here it comes, Russell. That's it. That's the whole song right there. Is those two different chords played, and it's still it's, it's a groove. Sounds so good. Here's another two note chorus for you. Get it together. Listen to this chorus. It's just two notes. Oh, oh, oh. I love it. I love that he. As this album goes on, he just speeds up and up and up. I, I like the more the more songs you get into, the more you get to hear kind of him ad libbing during the songs because that's this is the one where it's like now nah, horns lay out. He's like telling people when to come in, when to come I'm, out. I'm telling you, you got to watch his documentary because they would show you clips yeah. where he would turn to the band and he would go like this, Russell. And every time he did that to you, he was finding you five dollars for making a mistake. Oh yeah. So he right. turned to somebody and do it four times and be like, okay, you owe me twenty bucks because you just fucked up and played the wrong note. I was thinking about doing that to you guys. That's like when you find Matt five dollars <laughs> for every time he talks. That's right. Yeah, it was, it was your ten dollars. I'm so today. rich. I get Not really every every six minutes. I've got we got this ticker that you can see, and every six minutes I get to say one comment. <laughs> <laughs> if I get if I get two comments in that six minutes, then, oh man, I hear it from Rob. Rob docks your revenue. Yep. yep. <laughs> okay, that's five for both of you. All right, I can't stand myself. He actually played this with the Daps, which is an all white band. Up to twenty eight on the Billboard. It's like CCR born on the bayou to me. Wow. Don't disagree. This is where the drumming really starts to, to grab me. This was a song that when the Jackson 5 went to Motown to audition, this is what they played. I got the feeling. Listen to this intro. Michael Jackson goes and kills that. <laughs> They're gonna get signed. Yeah, you're gonna huh? get signed. You don't know. You can hear Michael Jackson and the Jackson Five in this. You can hear Prince, right? You can hear. I mean, you can just hear everything in the future of like 
like fun music in this. It's Stevie crazy. Wonder. Oh yeah, tons. Oh yeah. Um, this was Aaron's nickname in high school. No, I don't like that. Lick and stick. <laughs> bring that lick and stick. Oh no. Oh. <laughs> Say it out loud. I'm black and I'm proud. Yeah, I just, I love the change in the groove from disc one to disc two, I guess it is. I think also, I mean, yes, you hear what's what's to come, but I I hear, and I don't know which way, who influenced who, but I hear so much Afrobeat in the drumming and these grooves Mm -hmm. that, like what we heard uh, the Talking Heads try to do in following after Felakuti, I think this all started here or it was borrowed or, you know, which way it went. Well, I think that uh, that On the Ones is a very kind of Afrocentric rhythm for sure. Absolutely. That was Mm. one of his biggest hits. He spent number six weeks on the uh, R&B, number one on the R&B charts. And that was the first song where he had Fred Wesley on, uh, what, trombone, right? There was a time. Fred Wesley and the Horny Horns. Both from the two for you. Live at the Apollo here. This is the first live one we've heard or not? No, we've heard a couple. This, no. this is the first, like, thing you think of with James Brown by, like, fast. Yeah. Give it up and turn it loose. 1969. No. I couldn't. Baby, give it up, turn it loose. There's so much more space when it gets to funk it, it, in terms of space within the music. Now all of a mm-hmm. sudden, instruments aren't playing on top of one another. One thing's laying down the groove. It just feels up, more spacious in a way. Well, and the lyrics almost become inconsequential, right? Like, you can just say the same yeah. thing over and over, and it still sounds cool as hell. Everything's an instrument now, right? I didn't think this song was one of the best in the album, but then when I was thinking about it, I was like, if you put this song on almost every other album we've listened to, it would be a top three song on everything, oh, don't you think? Yeah, it's it's yeah. crazy. No. Yeah. Yes. You don't think so, man? top three song on every other album we've no, listened to? No, I'm saying, to? I bet, I'd say about half the albums we've listened to, if you put that song on it, it would be in the top, it would be one of the best songs on most of the albums we've listened to. Can you imagine if that was on the Ramon CD? Blow your mind. <laughs> It would be the best song. <laughs> Just drops in the middle yeah, of the there's Ramones. like three what do you albums. Think, Matt? The Ramones, the uh whatever, and Nico. Who is that with Nico? Velvet Underground. Uh, Velvet Underground. Velvet Underground and Nico. Favorites. And then whatever your other punk band was that you liked, Russell. I, I that's uh, not even a top three song on this on this set though. No, I know that. It's, I'm saying if you put it on other yeah. albums we've listened to, it would it would crush. It's, it's funky. And just wait, this is the end of the second disc. It's just gonna get I think the third disc of this. Is so incredibly good. But before we get to that, we've got, I, I don't want nobody to give me nothing. This was James Brown. He kind of went to a, he, his politics were actually quite conservative because he, he, his big thing was he wanted people to kind of do everything for themselves. For example, he had a restaurant business where he actually wanted them to open up the golden platter, which is James Brown's golden platter restaurant in the ghetto to try to give people a chance to own their own business. He actually had a James Brown food stamp. Uh, and this got all the way up to three on the R&B and 20 on the Billboard charts. And it, like they said in the documentary, they said, well, it's really easy for James Brown to say, don't give me nothing, when he's easily one of the most talented musicians of all time. Like, right. Yeah, he can go get it. Yeah. Yeah, at this point, he, had, he was doing fine, probably. Yeah. And but he was a great businessman. If you notice that he has had multiple band members quit because he... he just doesn't pay him. There's a lot of times where he's like, guys, I just, oh, I just can't pay it. It happens over and over and did, over. 
didn't Jimmy play? Did, did Jimmy ever play with him for him? He did, right? Or did Booty Collins play with Jimmy? So this is Mother Popcorn, number uh, all the way up to 11 on the charts. Which, once again, kudos to your opening song, Rob. Oh, yeah. This was a, based on a famous dance called the Popcorn at the time. But he was referring to Mother Popcorn, which he said was just a woman with a big ass. That he liked that. <laughs> Jimi <laughs> Hendrix played with the famous Flames. Huh? About two oh. years with James Brown, between 63 and 65. Oh. I like it. Kind of so then smart. that was my... My, my point that I wanted to make was it's fun to have this back-to-back with Electric Ladyland because you can hear how Jimmy was just like, yeah, I'm not going to do this super regimented shit. Like, I got to live my life. Can you imagine him going like 5'10 to James, Jimmy Hendrix and be like, what? <laughs> yeah, right. He's like, fuck that. I'm going to do start my album with a sonic painting. <laughs> Something you're not going to do. Now we have, and this is, I did, the run right here is incredible. Funky Drummer. Okay. Cool. This song has James Brown on the organ. It's sampled by Fuck the Police, Mama Said Knock You Out, uh, Let Me Ride, Save Me by Nicki Minaj, Run's House. This, when I look at who sampled this, this was sampled by 1,722 1, other songs. Funky Drummer. Here's the drum break. It's famous. Listen to this. Clyde Subblefield. Yeah, one of the most famous breaks of all time. I think the story is that this, at, at some point in the early or mid 80s, this ended up on, you know, they would make like beat cassettes or break cassettes. And I think this ended up on one of those compilations. And then just it, everyone went crazy for it. And it's ended up in so many songs for good reason. I saw a great interview with Clyde Stubblefield where he's like, Yeah, I hate that song. He's like, He, he brought yeah. us in early in the morning to record. It's the one single for James Brown that never did very well. And now it's like a hip hop uh, uh, pillar. Like you, Maybe James Brown made him listen to 73 songs before he got to listen to it. And that's why he hated it. Because I would get that. So now James Brown band members come up to him. And they say, hey, listen, you're fucking us on pay. You're not giving us any of these recording. We're not getting any money. So he says, oh, I'm so sorry. Let me pay you more. Nope. Wrong. He fires all of them and hires a whole new band, including Catfish and Bootsy Collins. This is get up. I this is feel like being like a sex machine. You're gonna hear less horns because the horn players weren't Catfish, as good yet. Great nickname. But you're gonna hear this Bootsy Collins on bass, which is incredible. This song got all the way up to 15 on the Moving billboards. It, doing it, you know. Yeah. Can I count it off? Go ahead. One, two, three, four. Oh yes. So listen to this bass. Get on up. Get up. Get on up. Stay on the scene. One. Get on up. Like a sex machine. Get on up. A lot of this rhythm guitar we've been doing now for a while, but it's just like that much more precise. Yeah. I mean, you can tell, like I said, with, with the less horns, they had to be so guitar and bass. Matt, I don't know what the hell these guys are talking about with being on the ones, the twos, and the threes, but you know what I heard is the countdown at the beginning of that, and I think it's badass. So I thought we could do a list of the greatest songs ever that feature a countdown at the beginning of the song. Oh, I know. I I, I, I got to know what one of these is. Oh, right. Now that makes me worried. <laughs> The one I thought about right away. I think I I may have two of you covered. Yep. All right. The first one on the list, we've covered a few Prince albums, but we've never covered the song Raspberry Beret. Yes. This is my favorite Prince song. This is a great intro to Prince song, right? I knew it was your favorite Prince song. That's a cool countdown for an intro, right? Yeah. And every Minnesota kid. Isn't it crazy that Weird Al never did Raspberry Sorbet to this? 
I mean, it's right there. Maybe. I mean, <laughs> Big Papa Rob could do it next week if we want. Oh, right. Yeah, whenever we get to... Oh, no, this is not, this is not really on an album because it was the B-side from... Oh, no. Right? Shit. Next song on the list is Wooly Bully by Sam and the Sham and the Fairies. Oh, I yeah. It is. Check this one out. Oh, I like the Spanish countdown. I count out. <laughs> I was I was singing this to, uh, just yesterday because we had a bunch of tabbouleh out, and so I kept singing tabbouleh boule over and over, and nobody thought I was funny, so I kept doing it for ten minutes. I'd... I was I was reading a little bit about that song "Wooly Bully," and so there's a disagreement. Some people think that "Wooly Bully" is an expression to congratulate other people, so I'd be like, "Hey, Rob, you've got a great podcast that no one listens to." Wooly Bully. <laughs> I'm going to start and saying other that. People, and other people think it's just the name of the singer's cat. What do you guys think it means? <laughs> I like Probably the idea of saying that, that you did something great. Wooly bully. You know what, Russell? Wooly bully yeah. you for telling me that. Wooly bully, sir. <laughs> Wooly bully, guys. Wooly bully yeah. on this effort tonight. Yeah, but this is fun. I love it. Wooly bully. <laughs> Are we going to just let it slide that Rob said he had a bunch of tabbouleh out? Number one, I know he was trying to make a joke, but you got to pick on me about dandelion greeds and not going to get on Rob's case about having a bunch of tabbouleh. What are you going to do with a bunch of tabbouleh? That's uh, yeah, too much I'm not tabbouleh. fucking eating dandelion greens. Okay. And guess what? <laughs> I only ate some of that tabbouleh and I threw that shit away. I got extra stuff. I'm not going to the fucking store buying dandelion greens. Get out of here with that shit. <laughs> He put the rest of it in that diaper when he ate all the candy bars and didn't have any left for the games. Guys, no joke. I've been eating so much meat up here. Oh, my God. It's crazy. Like, when I take a shit, it's going to be so big. Oh, my God. It's crazy. By the way, I like that Russell. When Russell went to that Wooly Bully webpage, the the counter for visitors clicked to one. (laughs) Finally, somebody wants to hear about Wooly Bully. Russell, Wooly Bully for that. Next band on the list also did a little homage to Wooly Bully. They also went with <laughs> a similar intro. Check this one out. This is U2 Vertigo. You think that's an homage yes. to Wooly Bully? <laughs> yes, it actually is, according to songfacts.com. <laughs> you think Bob's one, one, two, three, four, four well, actually, Matt, maybe you know you, you're a you're a U two guy, right? No, some people actually, say that I do. Some, I, I can't. You don't like them. Yeah. <laughs> Is it because you think they get more attention than Pearl Jam and that? Ma- no, that yeah, it's because they're what? so pompous that their <laughs> guitar player calls himself the Edge. Yeah, like how pompous of an asshole do you have to be to call yourself the, the, the big Edge? Papa Rob. <laughs> I would love to be the Edge. I I think that's great. You for Matt, it's more like you not to. Oh, God damn it! I stopped the podcast for that joke. No wooly bully for me. Thank you, sir. Well, if we're going to do one band Matt hates, we got to do one band that Matt loves. And this is Outcast. Hey, yeah. Remember this one? This was huge. Oh, oh yeah. It's quick. It's quick. Yep. Oh, That's like a great intro to a song, right? Yep. So is that a shout out to Wooly Bully as well? <laughs> I would say this is much more of a shout out to James Brown. If you watch the video, you know, they kind of have the, the, uh, live TV kind of thing going on. So I don't know. That, I oh, right. that video is in Just Dance, you know, where you hold a controller and you have to do the dance. They yep. have the actual yep. dance from the video. I smoked my kid in that. She didn't even know what was going on. I was like, hell yeah, I know this whole <laughs> dance. I got this easy. That is the song where they, they're singing about shake it like a Polaroid picture, right? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Beyonce's yeah. yep. and Lucy Lou's, yeah. It, it turns out yeah. that Polaroid actually put the out a warning dolls. after that song came out saying if you shake a Polaroid picture, it could damage the picture. You're not supposed to shake the Polaroid picture. Don't do it. 
that's all three people that still use Polaroid were like, oh, okay, that's good to know. Like, <laughs> well, this was back when iTunes came out. This is when Hey Ya came out, Rob. It's not now. <laughs> Last song on the list. Wait. This is one of my favorite songs. I, I'm sure, like you, I, I'll be judge for this, but I remember at the time loving this. This is the new Radicals. You get what you give. Do you guys remember this song? Yeah, this was a cool song. Oh. That's a pretty I mean, good countdown super... for an intro, right? Yeah, great countdown. They got the mandolin going on in the background. Wake yeah, up, this one is all yeah. positive vibes. And if you guys remember, at the end of that song, he starts ripping celebrities. He calls out Marilyn Monroe, Beck, Courtney Love, and Hanson. Remember? No. Yeah? Huh? No. Yeah? Courtney Love. Does he? Marilyn Manson, too, right? Courtney Love and Marilyn Manson, you're all fakes. Run to your mansion. You don't remember yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, I know. They're going to kick their ass in. Yeah, yeah he's going to kick their ass in, man. Oh you know what was so crazy? I read that Marilyn Manson got really pissed and threatened to kick the shit, kick the crap out of this singer for this new Radicals band. And he wasn't pissed that he was going to, that he threatened him or whatever on the song. He was pissed that he put him in the same vein as Courtney Love and he was insulted that he put him in the same vein as Courtney Love and he's like don't put me and her in the in your in the same not vein. Hanson he was fine with Hanson but it was he didn't want to be next to Courtney Love it turns out she's list. way cooler than he is so I don't know what well, he's know, talking about you, you know what that band was it was a bunch of yaks with mohawks because they were new radicals new new radicals well I have a great way to end this list no, no that, that was a Matt, great now, now that Matt, I know that Matt hates The Edge I also read about this song by the New Radicals in an interview in Time Magazine. The Edge from U2 said that was the song he was most jealous of, Matt. The New Radicals song. Sounds about right. Wow. Sounds about right. <laughs> Russell, wooly bully yes. for that list. Wooly bully, guys. <laughs> was another Ooh, I like, I like how I get the bells when I do a Russell. wooly bully. Wooly bully to you. List. Oh, yeah. Russell, tell him the song you cut out of that list. I also cut out a song by everyone's favorite band. It's Oasis. They played Pretty Fly for a White Guy. Oasis, Pretty Fly for a White Guy. You guys remember this one? Yeah, I remember that song. Oasis. What? Not Oasis, Russell. Dumb shits. You can't play along for anything, can you? <laughs> Offspring. Pretty Fly for a White Guy. <laughs> You're going to have to catch Guten Glieben, Glauben, Globen. <laughs> I was really, I was, Give it I was to literally me, thinking you were going to uh-huh, tell me Oasis uh-huh. covered play with Pretty Fly uh-huh, for a White uh-huh. Guy. <laughs> There's actually two countdowns in Pretty Fly for a White Guy. Uh huh, uh huh. Oh, wooly bully to you, Russell. So, Russell, did we wooly mix bully. up Oasis and Offspring one time? Is that the joke you're making? Yeah, you, you guys, dumb shit co hosts. <laughs> I should have gone to dental school. Russell, these guys don't listen to the podcast, and I barely listen. I listen in a fog. So. I know. Uh, all right, talking loud and saying nothing. Well, we're almost halfway talking through. Loud. Here we go. We this is the level this claim. This is the new uh, title of our new of our podcast. Are we changing? Yeah. At least for this episode. Listen to this breakdown here. Stop, fellas, good. I says keep on singing. 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 So that's still that Bobby Bird whose family adopted him. It was in the famous flames and was with him the whole way through. It's crazy. Keep on singing. He's a great hype man. Keep on singing. Well, he was not the same guy as his Kate man. Keep on singing. Keep on singing. Keep on singing. Because on the Ed Sullivan show, if you watch his performance on the Ed Sullivan show, he did his great Cape act that he does, which I love. What's the great Cape act? He's singing a song and he breaks down and he goes down to his knees. 
And there's one guy, all he does, this guy, is he comes out and he puts a cape on him. And he, he ushers him off the stage. And then James Brown is walking off. He goes, oh, oh. And then James Brown throws off the cape and he runs back and he sings more. And then he breaks down and goes down to his knees. And the cape guy comes back out with a different colored cape and puts it on his back. And James Brown, oh, he walks off. And then he comes back <laughs> like and he Hulk sings Hogan more. When he's exactly. Got the, it's yeah. like, it's, it, you can't, I mean, and to watch him do it is so great because you're just like, oh no, he's so beat up, but he's got to come back and sing. He can't help himself. It's in his bones. He can't, it's so great. Would you guys be willing to reimburse me for three of my next dates if I do this on each of them or like I run out of energy and then like fall over and then someone comes out and puts a cape on me and I come back to life? Yes. I, uh, yep. I'd be, I'd be yeah. willing to reimburse you. For I'll that. pay, yep. I'll, right. I'll pay for both those number fours at McDonald's, Russell. I think that's a great idea. <laughs> get, up into that. get up, get into it and get involved. Everybody over there. Just get on up. Everybody right there. Get into it. Everybody right there. Get involved. Have we heard this song three times now? No. It's the same song. Just twice. This is a song going out to all those people who are not calling our voicemail. This is one we heard a lot on Public Enemy. Oh, really? Is it? Yeah. The what part? One more time, Aaron. I think Aaron's confused because there is a song called Public Enemy about 12 songs from now that we'll get to in about an hour. No, I'm saying Public Enemy sampled that guitar. Do you think Public Enemy sampled a song called Public Enemy? Like they were like, no, I'm saying God. they sampled Get Up, Get Into no, It. I'm involved. talking to Russell. Is, you're talking. To, you're I don't know. You're saying Public Enemy stole their name from James Brown yes. and they should be paying him a royalty for it. <laughs> Russell thinks all these songs are the same, so I don't know what's going they on. They are. Speaking of Russell working at the shoe store, Soul Power. Oh, listen to this bass by Bootsy. Aaron, can you explain to Russell who Bootsy Collins is? Well, he was a jeez, uh, put me on the spot. He was a great bassist. I think he got his start. No, I'm sure, pretty sure he was only like 20 when he joined James Brown's band. No, he was like 17. And then he was eventually the uh, sort of key bassist for Parliament and Funkadelic. And he adopted his uh, stage and pr- public persona um, after Jimi Hendrix. So his whole voice is George Clinton was told him to like try to sound like Jimi Hendrix. It's so good. Also starting some great Nike commercials in the aughts, maybe. Soul Power. That makes sense. This is a song, Brother Rap, where he's t- telling people, hey, you got to rap and ain't it funky? And this they switch in the middle of this song. Listen to this switch here. Live. Yes. Oh, the crowd loves it. Ain't it funky now. It's like when I switch in the middle of my date and I go from the, the chicken to the... <laughs> Russell, you're not taking your dates to barbecue places, are you? I'm going to say that's mistake number one. Hmm. Why is that? Oh, you, oh no. No, 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 no. Because you, you cannot eat barbecue without getting it all over the place. I mean, I know I'm like a giant yeah, child. Yeah, but then maybe you just go like, oh, let's go jump in the tub together. We will live. What the fuck? That's the smartest <laughs> thing you've ever said, Aaron. <laughs> I'm a little dirty. Are you a little dirty? <laughs> The life of a skinny guy. Let's go jump in a tub together. I mean, come on. I've got these jeans I got to shrink. Yes, that doesn't work. You just, you fall over and they come out and put the cape on you and you're back. And it's like, it never happened. (laughs) It's like a reset button on Nintendo. You just hit reset. You start over. The cape is covered in barbecue sauce. You're like, oh, this is a terrible idea. I should not have brought a date to a barbecue place. No, I think you, you avoid spaghetti. I think you avoid pasta. You avoid barbecue on the first date. I think you go for things like, what don't you spill? Hmm. 
It's a good question because maybe dandelion greens. I mean, I don't know. Really spilling? <laughs> Still getting pizza, stuck in your teeth. Pizza's very spilly. Yeah, I was with Matt. We had pizza the other day. It was spilling all over the place. But I'm married, so who cares? <laughs> so you didn't get the tub together, guys. I'm pretty sure that Matt and Rob can't fit in a tub together. <laughs> <laughs> Certain of it. You know what? I'll take 0% that challenge. Chance. I'll take that challenge. <laughs> yeah. We'll like, be in Vegas in five months. We'll try it. Cross-legged. It would, it would be a, an interesting <laughs> science oh. experiment. Is there anything more disappointing than the first time you have sex in water? You're always like, this is going to rock. It's like, it's going to be like we're floating around and just having sex like crazy. And then you do it and it's like fucking cardboard. It's just terrible. <laughs> anyway, I think James Brown beat Cisco. He did the original thong song with hot pants. In 1971, they went to Europe on tour oh, yeah. and they saw these pants that these women were wearing hot pants. And they're like, God damn, these hot pants are so great. We got to sing a song about them. One, two, one, two, now maybe three. Maybe I need to pick the beginning ah. of this song. It was a countdown. That's all right. Yeah, I know. Hot pants. Hey. This one sampled a lot, too. If I keep if I keep drinking these night trains cocktails and have to take my pants off, I'm gonna say these are hot pants. Hot pants. They are gonna be hot pants if you keep drinking those things. It's gonna be hot with your blood. I think when we're in Vegas, we gotta just sit on a park bench and just observe something and just start writing some songs. I was gonna say, is there an article of clothing that you would write a song about? I know I would do this for bodysuits. When I was in middle school, what, what's a bodysuit? Like women, like women in my middle school would wear these bodysuits where it's like snaps at the bottom, like it goes all the way in. It's tight, like a swimsuit almost. And then they would wear it. Russell, type in type in bodysuit into Google. Okay, no, no, nope. <laughs> it's gonna be. I think it's on that same wooly. I'm actually page. rap. I was so down with bodysuits. Oof, I never knew it was at the bottom of those. I'm impressed that you know that. I never, I never understood how they. Put those on. You, you think they just like crawled in somehow, like through the side? Of course. How else would they get yeah, in a bodysuit? Like, isn't isn't that an amazing mystery as a middle school kid? You're just watching these yeah. magical creatures walking around. Like, perfect. It's true. My song would be about Jerbo jeans when I was a kid. I never got Jerbo jeans. I was always envious of the cooler kids yeah. that were allowed to have the jeans yeah, with the little tag Russell, over the Russell, front of Russell, them. this is episode three. <laughs> done this? Yeah. yeah, this is yeah. Russell's like I had I had color jeans, they're just white jeans with my white jeans and my white jean jackets. And my mom went up, my mom made fun of me. The classic story. Do you know how many fucking how much sugar I've had from this fucking Bailey's bottle tonight? It's intense. <laughs> your voice your voice has gone up yeah. an octave. I mean just just a tiny bit because okay. I think you've had that much sugar. So this will be the last podcast we do with Russell for a while. Uh, I'm a greedy man. I love those sexy wings. I'm a greedy man. I mean, this CD, oh, so good here. My name is Jody, but my name is Brown. <laughs> it's like when Aaron's a greedy man when he doesn't want to pay those taxes. I'm a greedy man. I'm keeping that money. Keeping it. I want to see where they're sending it first. Yeah. Aaron <laughs> lives in California, yourself. classically low-tax area. Make it right. funky, part one. We heard this in the live version. Bobby, I don't know. But what's an ever I play, it's got to be funky. Yeah. One, mm. two, yes. three, funky, make funky, it funky. This is this the first funk song? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the innovator part of funk, one, right? This is yeah. the innovator of funk. This song. The uh, 
I don't know if it's slowed down or whatever it is, but the it, it it that song is amazing compared to the other stuff. That's kind of like the first one. It feels like he's changed a little bit. Uh, you know, once Bootsy comes in, but you know, that song in particular, it feels like he slows it down a little bit to try to get just a little bit more flavor in the song. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I love it. It's the kind of song where the other ones make you want to tap your feet. That one just kind of makes you want to wobble your knees and be like the guys in front of the car dealerships kind of wobbling around. And if it wasn't for these knobby knees, I would have been a table dancer. <laughs> it's a new day. Are you really ready Speaking for of some you super dynamite soul? This is Cape Man speaking right now. This is the Cape Man. Thank you because now it's star time. Listen to this intro, Russ. If he's looking for work, I would hire him. Can you imagine if I walked in to a date and got this introduction? It would be amazing. Among these oh, classics yeah. are tunes that will never die. Tunes like Try Me, Out of Sight. Papa's got a brand yes. new bag. Go I get feel it. Good, like One more a time. Machine, because you're super <laughs> yes. bad. Get up, Love get it. into it, and get involved. Because you this got the best so part of the power. Album. Introducing the world's greatest entertainer, Mr. Dynamite, the amazing Mr. Please Please himself, the hardest working man in show business. Ladies and gentlemen, the star of the show. Russ. Yay! Russ, your day for tonight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you might remember from such dates as sending all their food back, flirting with the bartender, got his computer stolen in the backseat of his car and had to go back in if he asked if he brought it in in the first place. And three months pregnant. <laughs> Doesn't speak any English. She slept with two dudes in the same day. <laughs> Foul mouth lady who tipped over the umbrella at the bar in Hopkins. It would be so great that he have your cape on, discovered barbecue sauce. Yeah. Uh, here's one for Aaron. I've got ants in my pants. He has pita crabs. I so suddenly forgot about the one who slept with two dudes in the same day. I have no idea what you're saying. What are you saying? Aaron's, Aaron's got over the edge. Matt, you got to step it Aaron, up. Matt, can all you right, interpret, right, what, right, interpret right, what Aaron just said? Interpret that. I have no idea. Okay. What I said was, what I said was, I forgot I have about the lice. woman. My name is Aaron. I have pubic lice. I forgot lice. about the woman who slept with two dudes in the same day. That was such a good story. I'm still cracking up about it. Wait, what? Hey, I just slept with the two dudes the same day. Hey, I think my drink's not right, but I'm not going to say anything. I'm too scared. <laughs> Remember the lady who sent all my the food back yeah. on the date? That was terrible, yeah. too. Oh. Yeah. Russell, you'll have to. Yeah. Uh, when we get to another album that's got Bootsy Collins, if you go to his website, he sells two bottles. He's got a Chardonnay and he's got a Cabernet. He's got... Funk Ship One Chardonnay, and he's got Bootzilla Cabernet. Yes. So. Oh, I'm on this stuff. I'm on okay. it. Yep. Ep- uh, uh, episode 62. Get it by then. We're going to be all the way up there. I'll show up to the, uh, my dates with those two bottles of wine wearing my cape. You know, Can't miss. Tina Turner sang about We Don't Need Another Hero, but only James Brown was singing about heroin. King heroin. But I'm a world of power, and all know it's true. He's reading a poem. And you'll know it too. <laughs> this would be the grandma gift. Hey, can you I give can me a James a Brown single, please? Oh, here's is this what you were playing when you guys were tubing on the pontoon <laughs> today or not? <laughs> yeah, what do you, when this one comes up, do you, I can make a good yeah. do you skip? His wife, send a man to prison. They were like, oh my the God, you'll make life. a schoolboy forget his books? I can make a it's man pretty amazing song, right? Or whatever you want to call it. I don't know. 
It's like I remember texting when we started this quest. I remember texting you guys when I heard that song. It's crazy, it's very cinematic, right? And yeah. yeah, he's 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 trying to do a service to to people. So I don't know. It's pretty fascinating. There it is. So now we're getting into kind of later stage. This is seventies James Brown, guys. We're on disc four now. This is Whoa. this is later stage this is Jeff, James Brown, the Godfather of Soul, the Godfather of so, Soul. This is where we're so we're going to hear him kind of transition here and kind of still grabbing onto the funk, but losing a little bit, and then getting into disco. There it is. You call this one disco? I guess some of the guitar. Yeah, I mean, it, I for some reason the the quality on that one was weird. So this is the one that uh, Public Enemy sampled that Aaron was telling us about. This is Public Enemy number one. Maybe it was. Maybe you were editing that, Rob. Like our last eight episodes where our quality's been bad, huh? (laughs) That can't possibly be my fault. Because people, I don't know. There's this referee podcast that I've heard is out there, and I've listened to it. (laughs) Audio quality sounds fantastic. We should check that out. It's all in the editing. Yeah, he should edit this. Has been successful. Should look out for his fellow man, his brother. So this is a similar okay, song to King Heroin, right? right? Yeah. They just run it. He runs it right back. Okay. If it works See, once. Be but he's talking about that lice because it's called pubic enemy. That that might be a joke we've heard before as well. Pubic. Shit. That's from episode <laughs> eight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, get on the good foot. Get this song. This is what Aaron has issues with his gout, right? Yes. Rob? <laughs> Shit, that was a great I joke. I gotta get on the good foot. I've been eating too uh, many fish. Chicken livers. Too much. I gotta get on my good <laughs> Too many foot. beer and sardines. You had sardines with your dandelion greens, you fucking idiot. You're gonna get gout again. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have any sardines. I should. They would have been better if I had. Oh shit! What were you? You were just saying something about sardines, weren't you? Did I, dream, guys? I'm in a car. Do I have the engine running? <laughs> I don't know. Uh-oh. You're not in the garage, are you? <laughs> I said something about anchovies when I was talking about dandelions. Oh, I got a bag of my own. Holy! Seventy-two. Three on the R and B, forty-four on the Billboard. Listen, to this. what year did you say this was from? Seventy-two. Okay. This is where Tower of Power came from. Then. All this playing. Sort of the next big band funk. Yeah. I feel like uh, I got a bag of my own is when Aaron goes to buy groceries and they're going to give him a plastic bag. He's like, no, I've got this felt bag of my own. That does happen. We have several reusable bags in the house. How do you remember to bring the bags in, Aaron? What's your tip for remembering the reusable bags? I don't have a tip because I forgot them many times. Yeah, I know. But now, now it's part the, of the. You got, you got like, the plastic ones. Drove by the drove by the ocean. It's <laughs> right. <laughs> Fuck you, turtles! Throws them in there. Oh, hey, no. Aaron, Aaron, don't worry. There's no way your wife's making it to the end of this one. You can tell yeah, us. Tell us, Aaron. <laughs> you can tell us, Aaron. Where those where those plastic bags go? I either forget the bags in the house or I forget them like in the car. You know what I mean? Like I never put them from yeah. the car back to the car. Like there's always a problem with that. Yeah, I've, I've had that. I've had that, but I don't have. I don't have a, a tip. It just eventually enough for a petition. It finally, finally took. Well, you know what happens is that time. eventually you need to buy enough reusable bags there where you just have thousands of them and they're all over, like some in your car and some yeah. in your residence, and you're like, shit, man, too many bags. Uh, <laughs> doing it to death. So this recording is actually credited to Fred Weasley and the JBs. The JBs actually kind of came back to him during this, uh, and this got to number one on the R and B charts, twenty two on the Billboard. 
But uh, Maceo had come back here after attempting to be a band leader. Right. You want to do it again? You want to do it again? Oh, this is different. Yeah. You want to listen to a couple great CDs if you like this sound. You remember when my Jeep got stolen, two of the CDs were in there were the JBs. Just the CD called the JBs. And it was a bunch of these songs together. So good. Kind of late JB stuff. It's grooving. I love it. All right. Now you might be thinking to yourself, what song did In Vogue sample? Okay. Or King Kunta by, uh, shit. I knew I was going to. Yeah, by Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick Lamar. The Payback. Oh, yeah. I can hear that. Do you hear it, Aaron? Yeah. Uh, the bass is for King Kunta. And um, the guitar sound is, um, I think, from Never Gonna Get It by In Vogue, right? Yep. So funky, I love it. I just want to listen. All right. Papa don't Big Papa Rob. Big Papa Rob don't take Big no Papa mess. Rob takes a lot of mess because he doesn't want to deal yes. with it right now. Big Papa Rob <laughs> has to put a lot of mess in those diapers with the candy bars. I swear to God, when are these kids gonna go back to school? Summer is too long. As a teacher, I don't think summer's long enough. As a parent, I think summer is way, way, way too long. Papa don't take no mess. This was his final number one hit. On the R&B charts. Matt, what mess do you not take? What does Papa Matt take no mess over? Like physical mess? I don't know. Aaron, are your your kids are all dads when you guys take no mess over? When when does the family or the kids mess with stuff and you're like, Papa, don't take no mess over? Well, I would say, kind of to, Rob, to Rob's point about, you know, school time to be done. Like, usually at night, kids take showers or something, get ready for bed, put, brush your teeth and Put on pajamas, stuff like that. Like, there's times when they just start messing around and they're just playing. They're just kids, stuff like that, right? But we just got to get those things done, guys, so we can start going to bed. So, Papa Matt, take don't yep. take no mess yep. on so, that one. Bedtime, bedtime routines, man. It's like let's just we got three things to get done. We can read books. Let's just get them done. That's what I don't take no mess with. Aaron, Papa Aaron, when do you take no mess? Yeah, I'm trying to think if it's a consistent thing or if it. Uh, I think. It, Maybe getting in the car seat lately. No, that's been better. It's just like like thing. Hey, Aaron, just make some shit up. We're on the podcast. Just make something. <laughs> He's up talking about fun. Aaron's talking about himself getting in the car seat. <laughs> yes, yeah. that's right. He's got to get locked in yeah. the back seat. Honey, I'm not. I can't buckle. It's too tight. I would say I try not. I try to like not take no mess over like if he's if he's disrespectful or unkind to his mom at all, and then she's like, "Dude, I got it. Like, I don't need your, you know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> mama don't take no mess yeah. when it yeah. comes to that, yeah. right? Your, yeah. Hey, mama don't take no mess when Papa's trying to mess and Mama yeah. taking no mess. Take, get your ass yeah. back in the back seat. I got this shit. Sit down, <laughs> Rob. When do you take no mess? When does Papa Rob take no mess? I'm checking on my Sometime. internet browser history. Don't do that. Stone to the bone, part one. <laughs> Is that a little wah-wah going on? Or oh, what yeah, it absolutely. Is, right? it, it sounds like some of the guitar on the Bob Marley records. You're going to hear a ton yeah. of wah-wah coming up because we're all the way up to 1973, my thing. Tell us. One, yeah. one on the R&B chart. A brand new bump. Tell us 
This is an amazing compilation. I know it's way too long. It shouldn't be on the list, but this is fantastic. I never got tired of it. I just felt like I felt, and I because I would have to stop and go somewhere else. I'd like have it on in the house, and I'd go get in the car and put it on the car, like come out on the bike. And it just felt like I just felt like I was grooving all day long, like, and the groove was evolving Absolutely. a little bit. Felt like James Brown was like serenading my day. Your day is easier when you're kind of walking with this funky beat. I love it. Uh, if yeah. we were thinking of the funkiest president, who would you pick? Millard Fillmore. Let's go with Taft. Taft, Taft, big, yeah. big man. Yep. <laughs> How about Gerald Ford? Gerald Ford, funky president. This song, by the way, sampled by uh, Fuck the Police, Eric B. for President, Fight the Power, Summertime by Will Smith, Hip Hop Hooray by OPP. There's some parliament here or what, Aaron? Can you hear parliament? Yeah. Right. I mean, I can hear the Hip Hop Hooray. You can hear it, man? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like they said in that documentary, they said, you know, a break for James Brown might be just a couple seconds, but on a hip hop song, we could extend that up to five minutes. It's just so funky. Hot. I need to be loved. Loved. Same riff as Fame. Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, whoa, you're right. Because the guitar player in his band was the same guy that did Fame with David Bowie. So he's like, hey, I got this guitar riff for you. It's just literally oh, exactly wow. the same. Yeah, it is. And again, you kind of can sense this is kind of the decline of James Brown here because now we're all the way up to 76. Although this got up to 45 on the billboard. Get up off of that thing. However, you know who wrote this song technically, Russell? His wife, his wife and kids. You want to know why? Because <laughs> they didn't, he didn't take, he took too much mess. <laughs> yeah, he did not. <laughs> He did not. Fi- he took too much yeah, mess. He did not. Uh, Papa took a bunch of mess on who's going to write the lyrics. Yeah, he did not feel good after not paying his taxes. So he decided that his wife and kids were writing the song, which I think is the most greatest. That's the greatest. Could you scheme. imagine if, if Rob started taking a bunch of mess from his wife and kids and they started writing the parodies every week? <laughs> It'd be in an English accent, wouldn't they? Oh, yeah. Papa. Wow. <laughs> Get up off of it. They would come with pieces of cake that are way too small. Listen to this. This is so funky right here. Whistle. I believe this is the origination of funk. <laughs> he did this in two takes. No multi-track, no nothing. It's all live. But we've heard this song ten times today, haven't we? No. This is not a new song. We've heard this multiple times. No. They're all slightly different. Wait till you hear this organ. Have you heard the organ in this, Russell? I feel like you guys are gaslighting me right now. We've heard Listen this song this. numerous times and you act like it's different. <laughs> Listen to this thing crawling down low. Listen to that, Russell. I'm not saying it's not badass or there's not a slight difference, but no other album we've listened to could they pull off, hey, we're going to give you the same song and have it be a little bit different. Yeah, it could. Every band, we realize now every band does that. Ramones did that. Well, the Ramones, yeah. but that's it. Yeah. That, that album was rolling groan. Or wait, bro. No, please. I got. I can't think about that. My mind is actually shot right now. Believe it or not, it was too high on the list. So that means the number was too small. 
You want it to be a higher number, so it'd be lower on the list. <laughs> Body Heat. This was his absolute last top 100 until a very special song coming up in 1985. This is 76. Didn't have another top 100 until 1985. You can hear the disco coming in, though, here, big time. Here's a little guitar. All these things where he's yelling payback, were they from the movie soundtrack for payback? Yeah. Some of these do definitely sound like black exploitation, you know, cinema. There was sounds. one song that he was supposed to do for a black exploitation film. And they said, Oh no, that's just the same old James Brown. And so he said, well, fuck this. I'm going to release it as an album. And it did well. And he was like, yeah, see, I still fucking got it. Yeah. <laughs> they were kind of the Russell writing the movie of like, this is the same shit over and over. <laughs> uh, so the first song started in 56. 50, okay. The last song I'm going to play for you is 85. Although the last real hit on this CD is a 76. Actually, 84 is the last song on this CD. So, I mean, this is pretty crazy, right? What is that? 19 year over this? Oof. And just like this car, when I've been sitting in for two hours now, it's too funky in here. <laughs> Great song. Yeah. Chris Jones. And then if you take Payback and you make it into a disco song, it's Rap Payback. Rap Payback! Oh, Ooh, interesting. Oh, yeah. I kind of like this disco James Brown. Dancy. I mean, I think James Brown was always a guy who relied on having some of the best musicians in his band, right? And I think when they stop working for him, you can kind of hear there's a decline. Or he pivots. Yeah, he I don't know. Is this a decline because I don't know the song, or is it is it a pivot? Like Matt said, that's a great that's a great point. Yeah, I think it's a pivot. I think disco, you know, gets a bad rap in a lot of ways, but it, a lot of it's good danceable music, and it made probably made business sense for him to pivot toward that sound. Here we have finally on the album we have Unity Part One with African Bombata, eighty four. Right, which would have been a big deal for him to sort of co-sign hip-hop at the time. Yeah, absolutely. Or maybe it was a big deal for both of them because he needed the, the publicity. But. It's wild to hear him with the drum machine, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You think back an hour ago and we were listening to, like, doo-wop songs yeah. or whatever it was at the beginning. Ow. Yeah, are they? I think they're interpolating some of his songs. Are they sampling them? Hey, what does that mean? What is? I see that in Genius a lot, Aaron. I don't know what it means. What is interpolating versus sampling? I think there is actually a, like a legal definition of it. But interpolating would mean you had a live band playing, or you you know you you yourself recorded the song. Sampling is you've taken a recording of that song and popped it into your, your version. You're understood. Yeah. Now, which right, one can yeah. you not get sued for if you do it like on a podcast, maybe like 62 times? Yeah. <laughs> We're about to find out. <laughs> Interpolating. That is star yeah. time. That was 72 songs. I am absolutely exhausted. Yeah. But we're still going to chat for a couple hours after this. But let me get you into everybody's favorite part. It is the rating system. If you're still listening to this, by the way, text 802-277-BED. No way. I will send you a dollar. I'll pay. I'll bend more. No way. Anyone's still listening. Well, they got to. They got to. If they're going to text, they got to give a code word, right? Oh, yeah. 
The code is Aaron's Pubic Lice. Uh, Aaron's Pubic Lice. Hashtag Aaron's Pubic Lice. I will Venmo oh, you a dollar if you're right. listening. That's not that's right. Not a good idea. What? That's, I don't like that one. Well, maybe he's had issues before. You don't know. It's not hey. real sometimes on this podcast. I would love to have been with so many people that I got pubic lice. Like, I think that's a real mark of like, <laughs> hey, you're not only are you slapping it, you know, not only are the bedpost. you're getting it done, but you're getting it done with somebody with some hair down there. You know what I mean? You're Velcroing up. There's some hooks. There's some loops. Things are transferring back and forth. That's what I'm talking about. Respect yourself, Aaron. Okay. Listen, this is the rating system. It's everybody's favorite, popular, and patented. Okay. And I could sue you if you actually talk about it. So let's get into our rating system. Is this album, this is a 60, oh my God, this is 54, okay? Is this rolling well-toned? That means it's perfectly 54. Oh, we love it. It's great. Is this a rolling groan? Now, what a rolling groan means is this album is not very good. It should not have been a 54. It should be lower on the list. And I know what you're thinking, lower on the list? Oh, a lower number. No, it's a bigger number, a greater number, if you will. Go up. Unless you're on the website, then it is going down. Uh, no, actually, it's going up if it would be worse. That's a rolling groan. Or is this a rolling Piece of shit bone? <laughs> rolling bone. I'm out of breath. This car is so hot. I think there's seriously a problem here. <laughs> rolling bone means that this should be higher. We should have done this already. Maybe even as the top five. Can you imagine if one of our top five podcasts were just listening to 72 songs? We've been like, fuck this shit. We quit. Not as good as we are now. And we're so funny. Oh, my God. We're so funny now. It's crazy. <laughs> Um, so is this a rolling well-toned, a rolling bone, or a rolling groan? Uh, Russell, I'll start with you. What do you think? This is the final ranking we're doing? Oh, my God. Are you fucking serious? <laughs> I'm just hoping you pass out in that car. Oh. Okay. We're supposed to rank the album like on the system? Is that yes. what's happening? Okay, yes. The joke was funny okay. the first time. Oh, all right. Uh, you know what? Actually, I really enjoyed bully it. for saying it a second time. I got to give it up for somebody who goes back to the joke over and over. It's the James Brown of jokes. You just repackage it. You're set. <laughs> hey, Rob, wooly bully, my friend. <laughs> wooly bully to you. <laughs> Guys, I, I love the music on this. I thought it was fantastic. There were so many good songs. I said this earlier. I think you could take a lot of songs from these this compilation, put them on the other albums we've listened to, and I think they'd be very good songs in almost everything we've listened to. But th- it's just... This has no business being on the list. You can't, you can't compare an album that some uh, a band Bob Dylan made in a couple days or someone made in in a few months and compare it to this guy's whole career. So this is rolling bone. No, this is a rolling groan. Rolling bone means no. It it's got rolling bone. groan. It's too high on the list. It shouldn't be on the list. This is bullshit. It shouldn't be on the list. It pisses me off. That I've had to listen to these 75 songs twice. Rolling Stone owes, owes us an apology. I don't know who the idiot over there that's working there must have been a dental school dropout or oh something. My God. But they, they screwed this up. This should not be on the list. They they got to find another way to honor James Brown. It shouldn't be on this list. Rolling Grown. The person did say to me, oh, I listened to the last episode. I didn't hear an apology. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, it's going to be on the next one. And then I was like, mm, it's not really that great of an apology. It's actually a two hour long of just one person making fun of Dennis. So that's great. Matt, what do you think? Rolling bone, rolling well-toned or rolling grown? I'm going to go with Russell and say it's rolling groaned. I think, uh, James Brown was made for, um, LPs, you know, singles, radio going from there. He's not made for, um, albums, if you will. And again, the whole thing is, it's a 30 year span of his uh, music kind of a deal. But 
I don't know. I, it just the music itself, it all feels like James Brown is this great front man. He's probably great live, uh, but everything it just feels like it was it was made and produced to sell records. And again, that's kind of the point of it all. But without any heart in mind, I don't know. It was just it, it felt very fakey um, to just try to get stuff out, whatever was popular at the time, and try to capture that as opposed to being what. Um, was kind of coming from his soul, if you will. Um, Isn't he some, the godfather of soul? Yeah, that was yeah, the shoe store. But, like, but he was a businessman. I mean, he, he grew but, up. But, with but, nothing but too, that's right? the thing, you know. And so I'm not, he, he I'm not faulting gonna, him, but I don't want to fault right. him for that. But it, it was like have he, to move he, you, though. Yeah, yeah. He was a businessman, and he did great at it. And you know, he adapted to whatever was popular at the times. Let's be very clear: we're not mad at James Brown. These songs kick ass. They rock. Right. Even his later ones, yes. rock. The, yep, the guys yeah. who made the list at Rolling Stone are fucking morons, right? That's what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, let's say it. No. I just, yeah, to, to Russell's point, you know, just to, to wrap it up, having a, a, a career, a, uh, an album that spans a whole career, and then putting it up against the other albums that we're listening to, it's, it's Rolling Grown. All right, Aaron, what do you think? Rolling Well-Toned, Rolling Bone, or Rolling Grown? Aaron, are you I, high or frozen? <laughs> I was well. Rama was interrupting me, so I was waiting. To, I was trying to. See no, if I you got to talk, out. and Eddie interrupts. Yeah. And you just got to keep talking over. <laughs> All right, it. Don't, no, don't, don't, just, don't stop. Just Aaron, let go. The area keep going. My, We're all talking at the same time, the and it my, just sounds yep. great at the end of this album. The edge of my vision is turning black. I can't think of anything funny to do. Just please go. <laughs> I'm dying in here. Perhaps literally. There, there are. Two ways to think about the list in my mind. They are ranking what uh, are, are what we would consider the greatest album. So for me, as Russell said, you can't even think about comparing this to an album that someone went into the studio to make on purpose, as opposed to something that was put together by executives, you know, 50 years later. So in that context, no way it should be on the list. I would say Rolling Grown just for its inclusion. But I will say, if you think about the list mm-hmm. as recommendations for how to listen to music. Yeah. This is the right place to spend four hours, five hours listening to Absolutely. this music. So I would say as, as a recommendation, it's rolling well toned, but it's inclusion on the list. Rolling grown guys. This actually gets a rolling missing wound. Okay. That looked missing. Wound? That looked better when missing I wrote it wound? out. Guys, this is, he is missing. <laughs> you just said missing one. He is. No, it has to rhyme with stone. That's the bit. This is, this was song that is missing off this list was in the top 40. For weeks, it got all the way up to number four. He won a Grammy for this song for best R&B performance. How could we forget? We missed a song? He won a Grammy for this. This won a Grammy? Oh, this is the this is from Rocky. 85, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, this is Rocky IV. He comes oh. out. This is before Apollo Creed gets... Oh, the funniest scene where he dies? Oh, Throw God, the it's towel. so funny. Throw the towel! Throw the towel! Throw the towel! Throw the damn towel! And I'm just sitting there in the theater. So this gets back to like the USA basketball, France basketball. I'm a, I'm cheered for Ivan Drago, man. I, I, like he's a badass. You gotta cheer for the cheer for the bad guy. You think guy. Rudy Gobert is like? I will break you. Like it's not as scary as a French accent. <laughs> Say mon ami, I will break yes. you. If he dies, he dies. Yeah. Yes. I must block his shot and then go eat crepes all night. <laughs> you are what the French call les compétents. Les compétents. Je m'appelle Rudy Gobert. 
Je suis un blackio shot. Guys, I'm the man of a thousand voices. It's crazy how good I am at all this. But the bottom line is, is that we should have heard that song. I can't believe it was missing. And for that reason, it's probably the worst album of all time. Next up, we've got a band that once Russell once famously asked me, would this band exist if it wasn't for drugs? We've got Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. Oh, that's an experience. Wow. And guys, real bummer. There's only like eight songs on that album. Boo. Is this <laughs> the one you listen to backwards with Wizard of Oz or not? Uh, yeah, I think it is, right? Yeah, I think it is. Well, I mean, someone better know we got to do this if we're supposed to do it. Oh, my God. I did that once. We did it. Yeah, I've done it. It lines up perfectly. I've got the perfect podcast for you, Jack. Beck did it better. If I pass out during my next barbecue restaurant date, should I call the police for help? And should I let them know I've consumed a large amount of Bailey's scrumptious caramel? Or just wait for Matt to put my cape back on? Can you hold up up your glass, Russell? Let's see what's left. Well, no, I'm drinking wine. Oh, oh, no. I have this glass, too. I get this one. I'm trying to think of what's in there. That's that's the one I told you guys. It was the the Jesus. night train that I had to adapt because I didn't have the proper ingredients. No. Russell, do you hate yourself? I mean, what's going on? I would, you know, what song I would pick to best describe you drinking that, like you after drinking that drink. Let's all pick a song off this album. Night train. Let's all pick a song off this album to best describe Russell after drinking this drink. I think it's maybe cold. I was going to say cold sweat. <laughs> I think I got the feeling would be a good one. I think he's going to have his own bag. He's got his own bag. Yeah, colostomy, colostomy bag. Hopefully, my next date will try it out, and it'll be licking stick. That that will be the one that ends it right. <laughs>